previously on Martini John. I mean, I've flown all over the world, but I absolutely am afraid of flying. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, so I, from, if I, surprise, if I don't surprise. But for me, when I, I completely asked, agree. My greatest nightmare is is being on a flight with Eric Sheely, Honestly, <laughs> people people <laughs> ask me. That's very cute. I appreciate that. Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 66, which are two very different kinds of heist films that we decided to pair together. The first one being Baby Driver from 2017, directed by Edgar Wright. And the other one is Sneakers from 1992, directed by Phil Alden Robinson, with an all-star cast. We have mixed opinions about these films, which was a lot of fun. Both of the films are a lot of fun, actually, honestly speaking. But we have mixed opinions. Some people like them. Some people like the other. It was great. It was a lot of fun to talk about these things. Uh, and, of course, you know, that's the nature of Martini Giant. We have different opinions. Okay, a couple of big announcements. Martini Giant 2.0 is up. Or those of you who've been following the podcast, we've been trying to actually make a podcast uh, a new website. And you can go there right now. Same website, just a different design. So go to martinigiant.com and check it out. We've done a bunch of changes. Uh, you'll get more pertinent information right on the homepage, and you'll also get access to our brand new merch store, which is still, as of me recording the intro, is still ta- not technically up, but it may be up soon after that. So keep checking. Uh, it's probably going to be up by the time you listen to this. So definitely check it out. Uh, we'd love, yeah, you know, buy a mug or any of the great designs that Eric has come up with. We'd love to be able to uh, do that with you guys. I uh, also want to remind you that Twitch has now become a more important part of Martini Giant. And because we are recording our podcasts through Twitch, which means that we actually are engaging with a quote unquote live audience through our chat channel. And that has been very successful over the last several months. And we've been really having a great time doing that. So remember to go check us out on Twitch. Uh, and it is uh, twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant and when we don't record a podcast we do watch parties which are also a lot of fun and we do them every saturday usually at 3 p.m pacific standard time um, and they're a lot of fun so this saturday may 15th at 3 p uh, 3 p.m pacific standard time we will be doing a watch party for Day After Tomorrow, which is a film that I worked on. It's actually, in fact, the very first movie that I ever worked on. Uh, and I have a lot of stories that go along with that movie. So figured it'd be a fun watch party. We would love to see you there. Uh, once again, that's twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. And that's Saturday, May 15th at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Anyway, join us for that. A lot of stuff to talk about and be a lot of fun. But for now, please relax and enjoy Baby Driver and Sneakers. Uh, you guys doing good? Thank you, Jason and Dave 3D, for um, showing up showing up as our, our usual suspects. Oh, we should do usual suspects sometimes. But we do have Kevin Spacey. It is a Kevin mm-hmm. Spacey uh, mm-hmm. visitation this time around with um, uh, Baby Driver. Yep. Baby Driver and uh, Sneakers. Sneakers. Yep. No Spacey in that one. Spacey I've never seen, Spacey. I've never seen sneakers. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. Until now, well, I did see it for the, you know, I did do it for the actual thing. So we we chose sneakers because sneakers has actually sort of become fairly underground popular. Like it's become a rediscovered movie, yes. and uh, so much so that it's now being considered for a new TV show. 
Yes. Um, and uh, when we describe, if you haven't seen Sneakers, when we describe it, uh, you'll see why it would make a great show. It's a great setup for a show. Yep. It. Mm, yes. <laughs> Good setup for a show. Yeah. Good setup for a show. Mm-hmm. And very popular also. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's a very, like, I would say, like, just to get into it, like, I think it's a pretty charming movie. Like, yeah. it's a very, it's a very 90s fluffy semi forgettable movie but there has some weirdness to it that i really well, really really enjoy i th- i think the weirdness is is that it's got like sydney poitier and robert redford and they're so, so strong and dan Aykroyd. yeah and i really love the kind of um i love how dan Aykroyd paired with poitier and redford they're really just a lot of talented people in that show oh it's really yeah and it's really good yeah, and we got River Phoenix. You got um, uh, Timothy Buzzfield from Thirty Something, another uh, another favorite of mine. Who uh, was also the bad guy in um, Field of Dreams, uh, if you remember that. Um, but all yeah, of just, that cast is really amazing, mm-hmm. and but seems misplaced. And yeah, like there's you a know lot who of, else was in it mm-hmm. was Phil. Oh yeah, yes. God, he's been playing that role for Phil? since he must have been twelve years old. He's been cast as as Phil yes. as uh, as that guy. And yes, but yeah, no, like this because this also this movie also has Mary McDonald, who's amazing. She's from Battlestar Galactica, and she's from um, uh, right Dances Wolves, right? And she's uh, and this was I don't know if this is and the... she looks like the epitome of eighties with those shoulder pads and that oh, haircut. Man, yeah, she oh is my god, right on target for nineteen eighty seven, although um, it was ninety two. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, the uh, but yeah, like I, I was like, I think that she is one of the most fascinating parts about this movie, and uh, it's my angle into praising this movie. Like the parts that I want to praise are via Mary McDonald, and everything yeah. else is sort of like this is an enormously high-powered cast for what's kind of TV-ish, and it is, yes, but, like, and it's shot like TV, but it's still a fun. After oh, thirty yeah. years, it's amazing. Like yeah. it's still. No, it's a, it's a I saw it in the, yeah, absolutely. I saw it in the theaters, and I always love that kind of ensemble stuff. It just reminds me of seventies films. Yeah. And so I right. Yeah. No, I'm with you. It's it's like it's California Suite. You know. Yeah. yeah. But it didn't. It seem like a little bit like too. Like you've got Robert Redford and you know Ben Kinsley and it's too Sidney high Poitier. power to cast for too what high po- Yeah, it needed to be. Doesn't mean it's not entertaining, but it's it's definitely because like that, it's it, loading a, a, a definitely. I, I wish it was a lower brow cast, so it'd be right. more fun. You yeah. know what I mean, I, my thing on that is that I feel like if you took first of all that opening is a very good opening. The music mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. Winford Marsalis. Oh, yeah, I just, it's a totally unexpected it, flavor. Yeah, it's so beautiful. That opening is great. If it was more of the Redford um, Kingsley dynamic from college to now, and yeah. you maybe took out, you know, you took out Poitier and Aykroyd, and, and it was just about Robert Redford and maybe a couple people in his office, like, you know, a couple yeah, people. Yeah, like, because now um, I, we're all fans here, I believe, of um, uh, Three Days of the Condor, right? Sure. Yes. Uh, and, like, this this feels like it should have been Three Days of the Condor 2, Six Days of the Condor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, uh, but they put too many people in it, and it became right. this uh, large ensemble fun time thing. Yeah, yeah. But, like, there's a there's – a, Oh, by the way, are we skipping the whole normal front end of the podcast, or are we just sort of bullshit and talk about what's happening with stuff? No, if we want to get into it, it's fine. 
okay. the way, I want to Malcolm Marini, 1991, for joining us on the podcast. Absolutely. And Max underscore terrible, 384. Hello, hello, yes. hello. Yes, excellent. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, uh, alert us, guys, if you want us to get back to completely wasting your time. We will definitely do that. But right now, we're just yeah. diving in. The, uh, yeah, so like the... Um, I do want to uh, get back to Ned, the Ned Ryerson character. Ned Ryerson, it's funny yeah. we're going to refer to him to Ned Ryerson. He's, he does have an actor. The actor does have a name, but, uh, wh- but why bother? Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure he's now changed his name to Ned Ryerson just so people. Uh, but yeah, uh, he is that that poor dude. I mean, not poor. He's actually made a shitload of money playing that guy yeah. since yeah. literally the '80s. And now, like now, I think like like that hey, is Alan, actually nice to you too. <laughs> this is this is the that is the sweet spot. Um for any character actor like that dude has bought a house by playing ned ryerson there's no doubt in my mind so i watched and i highly recommend it's probably somewhere in the archives out there but there, there was a podcast called nerdist it's no longer called nerdist it's called adi 10t but back when it was called nerdist uh chris hardwick did one and it was with that actor that actor who did that character mm-hmm. right and sorry i'm turning my mic up a little bit just uh, but anyway he said uh he's a hilarious character like that person as a character absolutely yeah. hilarious uh, yeah, yeah, really yeah. really really funny very very smart his literal uh, name by the way is Stephen Toblowski that's the actor yeah Stephen Toblowski that thank you and he was talking about uh he talked about uh, uh specifically Groundhog Day and how he absolutely loved that movie and apparently he's a big philosophy person as well. And no absolutely loves, yeah, yeah, loves the way that movie was and the story about it, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. So to him, it was really exciting to be part of it because he doesn't mind at all being known for that character. Oh, that's great. Uh, and so that's really cool. But he's also had this thing where he says, he kind of like during the conversation or in the podcast, he kind of let out that he is quote unquote psychic. And, it's, <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> and the guy said, Really? He goes, yeah, I, I hate it. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, because, you know, my wife does thing. And I'll say, well, this is going to happen. And she goes, how do you know? He's like, you know. <laughs> Psychic. That's so and then she's like, like, it does happen. And he's like, how do you do that every time? I was like, oh, it's, I'm, it's, it's a curse. It's a curse. You know, no, so, it's, it's, sometimes this information slips out on podcasts. Like, you know, this is how we know about you know, like about uh, beliefs in the paranormal. This is how we right. know about, uh, you know, like in overindulgence in alcohol. You know? yes. And now we know psychic. Yeah. <laughs> Ned Ryerson, psychic. Reluctant psychic. <laughs> yeah. That was that, that was that, uh, the SNL gag with uh, Christopher Walken with the, uh, what was it? Because uh, he was just in the. This. And he would have the ability to like uh, uh, foresee totally unimportant events in the future. Just like right. you know, like uh, when you when you bend over to pick up the change, you're gonna lift up your head and you're gonna you're gonna smack your head on the on the on the corner of the of the of the, of the counter. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> there yeah. was a really hilarious Onion uh, article. It was about. Uh, so you know, like uh, uh, Rockstar Games create the most realistic army game ever, and it was like you wait in the barracks for like twelve hours. You gotta, <laughs> you, you gotta drive. You gotta drive a truck to Fallujah, and it takes like eight hours. Nothing happens. You know, no, like, <laughs> that's like I don't know if anyone in the chat has ever heard about Desert Bus. Has anyone heard of this? 
Yes, we've talked about it. We talked about <laughs> Desert Bus. Uh, Desert Bus is uh, the greatest video game that's ever been made. And they have apparently, I don't know if they're still doing it, but they have a fundraiser uh, where everyone gets together to play Desert Bus. You know, it's for, Let's say hi to Mike, track. too. Mike, thanks for joining us. Mike, how you doing, man? Um, and, <laughs> He's been on the uh, podcast, by the way. He's been on this. He nice, was, yes, uh, that's right. Yeah. The, um, uh, but Des- Desert Bus is this amazing piece of work uh, made by um, uh, who are the two Vegas um, guys? Oh, that- Penn and Teller. Penn and Teller. And it is a video game in which you drive a bus with no one on it straight uh, from Reno to Vegas and Vegas to Reno um, for eight straight hours. And that's that's all it is. There's nobody on the road. The bus kind of leads one to like has a little bit of a drift, and you have to keep the bus on the road. And there's a video you can look up on YouTube there where people are playing it for hours and hours and hours. And I think that one kid played it for like 25 hours, and at the 25th hour, like a bug hits the windshield, and that's the big event. And they all they're all they all flip out when this happens. So yes, I'm a I'm a big believer in that than that high entire idea. <laughs> like oh, trivia, the trivial psychic idea. My apologies, Mike. I must have excused you for a di- must have uh, confused you for a different Mike. But thank well, you. Well, here you are me. on the podcast now, Mike. <laughs> yeah, you're on the podcast now. I don't see what's going on, Mike. What's think, the confusion? Uh, <laughs> uh, Mike, what what did you think about sneakers? Have you seen sneakers? Yeah, have you seen sneakers? Let us know. How many yeah, actually, have yeah, seen, everyone in the chat has, has seen sneakers? Oh, wait, I can do a poll now. You can uh, do polls? Yeah, let's see if I can just work. It's getting so dramatic. Have you seen sneakers? Uh, response, yes. No. Oh, that's exciting. And duration of the, uh, we'll make it a two-minute poll, starting poll. Oops, what? What do you mean try again? Well, Max has not, has not seen either movie. You haven't seen Baby Driver either, Max. Oh, that's great. That's great. But yeah, so like sneakers, the setup for sneakers. Let us let us tell you the setup for sneakers. Um, sneakers is essentially a heist movie uh, at its core. It yes. is radically overcast with uh, with Ben Kingsley, Robert Redford, Sidney Poitier, Dan Aykroyd, um, uh, Mary McDonnell, uh, River Phoenix, um, and uh, David Strathairn, whom I also love. And uh, uh, they play a team run by a Redford. Of people that break oh, into. Oh, well, hold on, hold on. Do we are we going to do? If we do our breakdown, we should start with how it starts. It starts oh, yeah, off. Start with that starts, with, yeah. It starts off with what looks like a really good deep fake of Robert Redford as a young person. He was fantastic. He looks exactly like young Robert, Robert Redford. The mannerisms. He nailed it. He nailed it. It's like is that a deep fake of Robert Redford? It was like crazy. That was great. <laughs> now, I wonder, I wonder if they used Redford's voice. Did they? Did they dub him with Redford's no. voice? No? no. But the the, the mannerisms for the Kingsley character were really good. Yeah, that's yes. true. It looked looked less like Kingsley, but but still sold it. Yeah, like it was, so I was watching idea... that, wondering if it was like Space Cowboys when they shot the younger versions of Eastwood and everybody, and like they had the real actors dub over it, and it actually worked pretty well. But apparently, yeah. Not. So the two of them are basically broken to some bank or, or something like that, whatever they were doing, and they're definitely science building at college or something. Science yeah. building college it was supposed to be in the quote unquote the sixties or. Yeah, no, 70s, 70s, 70s. 71s. Yeah, and they're breaking into a computer, which I don't know how you break into a computer in the 1970s because there's only like five of them in the world <laughs> at that point. Uh, but uh, anyway, they break in and they're trying to uh, break into the Republican National Convention bank account and are uh, 
uh, making the Republican National Convention people donate money committee to a bunch of uh, uh, causes that would go counter to the Republicans. Right. And this is sort of a reverse, obviously, of all the president's men, which Redford starred in, you know, where it's like they're they're breaking into the Republican uh, National Committee to do something good as opposed to the Republicans breaking into the Democratic National Convention to do something bad. Right. Exactly, which is also funny because he was in uh, in uh, oh, all, the yeah. all the presidents, right? Yeah. So, uh, thank you. So, so anyway, then uh, Redford goes out for pizza <laughs> while the other guy's working, and then while he's outside the building, the building gets raided and his buddy gets busted, but he runs away. Right, so he gets the ben away. Kinsley character, yeah. The Ben the Ben Kinsley characters gets uh, gets gets caught. And he runs away. Then you skip to fast forward and you see they've created this whole crew of, uh, of people that are, are robbing a bank. And the crew includes, like you said, who, who are, who's in the crew, Dan and Eric? Yeah, it's David Stratham, um, uh, Robert Redford, Dan Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd River Phoenix, and Sidney Poitier. Sidney Poitier. And uh, they are very, very, very sophisticated, breaking into a bank, doing this whole thing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they break into the computer. They got the whole system going. Fast forward. They they go to they 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 create an account with and they add a bunch of money to the account. Robert Redford goes up to the bank teller the next day, asks to close his account with a hundred thousand dollars. He puts it into a briefcase, takes the briefcase while the bank is you know fully loaded or you know with people in it. Instead of walking out door, he walks out <laughs> fully loaded. You like that? That's good, right? Yeah. That's uh, funny. And uh, and then he goes up to the uh, to the to the conference room and he says, "Here you go. I took out the, your your bank security is shit, and here's all the reasons it's wrong for it." Right? So I was like, "Okay, so it's the th- system of you hired a robber to teach you how to make you more secure, right?" Right. That's right. Yeah. That's so that's it. what he does now. So that's right. his job. He's like a consulting firm, a security consulting firm. <laughs> right. right. And they're and- not. They still have money problems. Once you realize. You know, they still need clients because they right. they lament after that scene on how their office is. They lost their secretary and everything. So they need money. Right. It's like, it's like Ghostbusters. He flavor to that. <laughs> Same thing. Yes. Which Dan Aykroyd is in it, too. Right? right. So it's perfect. So and Dan Aykroyd, whoo, he put on some weight on the, uh, by the time he got to that to that already but yeah no he uh, a little chunky and it didn't uh, kept on, he kept on going he kept on investing in that idea yeah that's what we said so uh from from this point forward they got of course now a new client that shows up it's a little sketchy uh and asks them to do something and promises them a whole bunch of money right mm-hmm. uh but it's not quite clear what they're doing and then it then it gets a little confusing i don't know why he ended up having to go on a date with the girl but she's involved because somehow. He basically, if I, I can jump in, they basically, those guys that came, they say they were the NSA. Okay. But right. you'll find out later that they're not with the NSA. Right. And they basically said, your name, Martin Bryce, is actually your real name. But you go by, or it's actually real name. We well, actually know everything about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. We know everything about you because when your friend got busted in 1972, you ran to Canada. And so these guys basically said, look, you help us, then you're going to go oh, and we'll clear your records. Your records. You're clear right. your records. And so right. the first thing we want you to do is to go and listen to this mathematician and find out if he's got this black box they're talking about. Robert right. Redford confronts the guys that he works with. He said, I know we're short on money. It's $175,000, but they're going to clear my record. But right. I don't know a damn thing. So let me call my ex-girlfriend. 
Right. She's Who's a mathematician. A genius at this stuff. Yeah. Right. And have her explain it to me. Right. Because, oh, like, that's, that's what it was. That's what it was. Right. Okay. I never, I didn't pick up. I was like, why the hell does she have to go to the lecture? Yeah. She, she's the, because Robert Redford is more like the organizer of stuff. He's not yeah. the smart one. Of right. The group, which is kind of a, like, it's a good role for Redford because like, yeah. he's really charming, but everyone else is sort of doing the work behind the scenes. And which is right. like using a couple of scenes where like, he has to pretend like he knows what he's talking about, but he's actually getting an earpiece feed from the kind of kind of like else. me with you guys, right? Yeah, more or less. I mean, this is okay, how it works. It. Yeah, the, it. Uh, but the, <laughs> the, it's also it, it's interesting because he's the one that got away in the '60s, right? Exactly. And so, right. you know, so, so Mac Mary McDonald is brought in because she's actually a genius mathematician. They uh, both uh, start because the guy with the black box they have to investigate is this like crazy super smart mathematician who may have oh, discovered some sort of who was way. by the way an actor who's been in a billion things. oh yeah he's great he's he plays um the one of the cops in zodiac he that guy's does fantastic. right yeah, he does. and he was in a sitcom in the late 90s early 2000s called uh um grounded for life if any yeah. of you guys remember that <laughs> I don't know why. I kind of liked that show back then. Anyone see Grounded for Life? Let us know in the chat if you've ever seen that. Grounded but for anyway. Life. Yeah, that is uh, that guy's name is uh, Donald Logue, I think. Yes, yes, that's who it is. Yep. Donald Logue. Yeah, he's he's really good. I've continued to like him. He's uh like I didn't really notice him really until like Zodiac. He's really great as this sort of like uh, I think he's like a Pomona, you know, police chief in in that, and he's like the right. guy who's like trying to like defend the information that he has, and he's just like he just nails this role, absolutely nails it. And I was like, I think I've seen that guy before. And the moment after that, I was like, oh, he's in this movie, this movie, this movie, this movie, this movie. Yeah, like a ton, a ton of cool. things. But he's great. Right. He's totally great. Right. But yeah, he he's very young in this movie, and he plays like one of these like you know sort of uh, Steve Jobs ish. I don't think it's Steve Jobs. Oh, he's an he's an obnoxious uh, intellectual uh, yes. mathematician right. person, right? right. And uh, yes. and he's he seems to be responsible for a a major breakthrough in code in breaking. encryption in and encryption, encryption. Yeah. right? And where this absolutely unbreakable uh, method and oh, further on in the movie a way to break any code. Right. Like that, so basically what they figured code. out is I'll, I'll try to, because we have a lot to discuss on this. I'm mm -hmm. just going to try to skip ahead a little bit. They go in and they're basically going to steal something from this guy's, uh, from what he does to like, he's got something dangerous in this black box. They steal the black box, but before giving it to the quote unquote NSA, they probe it and figure out what it can do. And inside it, they figured out it's a machine or a piece of, silicone of some kind that they've built that they can uh decrypt anything quote unquote so mm -hmm. they can break into any site out at there. all like any at government all. any anything on the face of the earth the and it's done in the most cheesy yeah. yeah in the most cheesy way possible like let's get into the power grid and then everything looks like a bunch of garbled characters right, and, right, right, thing. Right. and then the characters slowly start to appear right. the, sta the standard it. 90s version of hacking is basically what it like it's a yes. slightly more it's slightly more realistic than Johnny Mnemonic, but it's you know in the in that ballpark. Johnny Mnemonic, whoa, right. yes, yeah. it's an acceptable so, level of baloney. So they're like, this is really better. dangerous, and now we have a social responsibility to deal with this situation. Blah 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 blah. Right? It's like, oh no, the Russians want this. Oh oh go oh yes. Here's another thing. 1992, we are having a real hard time in Hollywood divorcing ourselves from the Cold War. Oh like, man, we just yeah. can't give it up 
Yeah, like, and they even still, sort of talk about this in the movie. Like, like, like we, yeah, we, it's we, almost we like a parody. Like, no, we're friends now, right? Uh, sort of, kind of, you know, like, oh, just yeah. give it up. You know? <laughs> well, and what's, what's funny is, of course, we've come back around to being enemies again. <laughs> so yeah, but like, not like that. Uh, yeah. Not like that, right? Yeah. Like, no, like, 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 in, in all defense of that, they shot this in 91. It was probably written in 86. Sure. Between right. that time, the wall fell. They changed it. Oh, they yeah, changed it. You oh, you're right. So it's probably right. It's probably right. It started, started that way, and they're like, well, we'll just make it this way. Just you're keep, right. yeah. Because oh, we can yeah. say with pretty, uh, we can say pretty solidly that virtually every single movie in the 1980s, the plot is motivated by distrust of the Russians. Like everything yeah. from from war games to uh, Lady Hawk, Falcon and the Snowman, <laughs> <in the> snowman. <laughs> like literally everything, um, and uh, and some of it works and some of it doesn't, but it is the most consistent plot thread through all of eighties fiction. It's just radical. Also, right. see War Games, one of the great movies of the eighties. War that. Games is good. Oh movie. yeah, that's yeah. great. Richard. It's great funny part. because we keep watching films from our childhood or with our kids, because of course this is how you enforce and bore your kids every day. That's right. And they're like, oh, uh, it's like, Oh, right. Is this the cold war thing again? Like, yes, it's the cold war. Like to them, it doesn't make any sense. You know, right. The cold war. Yeah. yeah that thing. <laughs> remember, uh, I don't know the Falkland islands. Remember that kids? No. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? That's right. <clears throat> but in any case, yeah, that was the uh, that was the thing that was dominating. I think nineteen nineties obviously were coming out of that, and at the same period, we have things like um, Hunt for October comes out around this period, right? Mm -hmm. And well, so there's there's a there's a sort of like trying to find a way for the Cold War thing to keep on going because it's so good for drama. You know? It's not that it's good for drama; it's that we don't know what else to do. Well, this is what I'm saying is like it's it's like such now, an easy all enemy. All we do is super. All we do is superhero films. So you're yeah. gonna remember the next, the last twenty years of our filmmaking is like superhero films. Twenty, tw it's nearly twenty years now. It's true. It's it's really wild. Like to look back on this, this is what it felt like in the '50s when all you could fucking see were westerns. And I would never right, yeah. complain about all you could see were westerns. But now I sort of get a little bit of the picture about what that must have been like right. when like it's just like every tv show is a western every all the top well, 10 films are western so so i we just we watched thunder force last night uh which by the way was i don't we're not going to do that from our teeny giant let's just put it that way that is the, the new comedy with um uh melissa mccarthy melissa mccarthy yeah right on Netflix. and the kids thought it was really fun right sure. now here's the thing if thunder force if my my opinion, well, honestly speaking, it was passable, passable, like not like oh my god, that sounds like off. barely passable. Was it barely passable? Barely, barely passable. Barely passable. But she's great. She's fun. Melissa McCarthy yeah, is no, really good. fun, right? Good, good actor, very good actor. But if if that if they had gone full R rated on it, it would have been they could have gone so right. much further, right? right. But they made, the PG -13, right. Right? they made it PG thirteen, right? They made it PG. There's a PG thirteen comedy superhero film Bleh. you know what i mean yeah, it's nowhere to go with that nowhere to go yeah. with that stuff yeah like the thing is I mean like i this is the way like go one way or the other like you can make a like if you if you see sky high sky high is incredibly charming super cute hilarious dated but awesome uh and it it definitely leans g i think it's pg but it's like it leans heavily g and it's fine but if you're going to like, like, what if we make dirty jokes, but we trim the top off so we stay PG? Then what are you doing? Like, that's like 
they'll make that movie. They're like go R or go PG. Don't try. Don't try, go R and then and then cut it off. You know, because right. that 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 just ends up in dull jokes. Like you have to either go for it or don't go for it. And uh, right. and it sounds like the McCarthy movie sounds. Yeah, as soon as I saw the ad, I was like, I think she's made this movie twice. <laughs> I think this exists before in multiple forms, and they just sort of re-render it with different costumes. But you know what I actually think it is, honestly speaking, because her husband directed it. And, oh yeah, uh, he's, a, he's, and nice. he's a nice guy, and I believe her daughter was at the beginning of it, mm-hmm. right? And plays a younger version of herself. And uh, I looked at it and I was like. I think they made this like just to make a film that her daughter, who's a young teenager, sure. would enjoy. Yeah, and I mean, I, like, I so I let's make that. this. Let's make this for the family. The money like, was probably so good. Oh, it's a Netflix film. Dude. Netflix, totally. man, they, they shoveled cash on her, and she yeah. gets. Like, I mean, there's I a like, lot. There's a shit ton of. There's a shit ton of visual effects in it. Like Method worked on it big time. Like I'll, right. you know, there's probably at least 300, 400, 500 artists worked on this thing. You know, that's big time, dude. That is big time. Like, yeah. a, like I mean, the, 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 they were not. They weren't. They weren't a level, shall we say? I'm not gonna not gonna say necessarily. No, they were bad. no, no shade. But we know what it's like to work on. No shade. It's probably stuff. the budget. The budget was, you know, what it, you get. Like shade the effects. They yeah. like shade the effects. Don't throw shade. No, but uh, yeah, I mean, we all we have all worked. Is that on what you meant, guys? No shade, mm-hmm. meaning like don't don't be. I'm jerk. saying they 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 didn't do a crazy oh. amount of stuff. I think it was like they did what was possible from the script. It wasn't like oh. That was right. supposed to be really big, and they poorly executed. They executed fabulously just within their budget like, and time, and, and, and within the script. The script didn't necessarily yeah. ask for super complicated stuff yeah. on it. Yeah, but. but we we've all been on that. We've all been on that show where it's like, you know, if we we could have used a few more passes out of shot, but what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. It, you got to get it out. Got to door. Yeah, I don't even think it was that. I think it was. I think it, like they literally did a really good job for what they were asked to do, but they right. were at, weren't asked to do something super fabulous. Right? <laughs> they were asked so, to do something dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, and that's okay. Like that show I worked on, which was uh, it's that space comedy thing from a couple of years ago. I think Dan, I think you worked on it too. Um, space comedy. Yeah, with okay, the, the guy that did. Uh, Family Guy. Um, oh yeah, Orville. I still I, I still work on Orville today. Yeah, it's actually a yeah, great show. Just, a really, really great show now. Surprisingly yeah. well written. Really, really tight show. It's amazing. And Mike, like, Mike says he's done with superhero films and Star Wars films, and he's like, "Yeah, well, join yes, the club, Mike." The club. <laughs> yeah, I hear you, brother. I hear you. I mean, Mike, Mike, like, I'm guessing. I'm just guessing, Mike, that you are you are and, and Alan as well. He agrees as well. I'm betting that you are, shall we say, a Gen Xer. <laughs> you can't <laughs> wait. It can't possibly because be the tell. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm the thing is that like, is. The, these 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 things are like, <laughs> this is what this is the thing is that these movies are all made by Gen Xers. They are all made by our Oh he's age group. too. <laughs> yeah, okay. there you go. Okay. So like like all like Thank uh, you, Alan. Like these are all the movies that I desperately That's refreshing wanted. to hear, right? <laughs> like uh, they, these are all the movies that I desperately wanted to see when I was a kid, right? And now that we've gotten to the point where people my age can be making them, we've overindulged. <laughs> like, well, also we the, are cynical. Our are, we yes. are de- Gen X. We're Gen, Gen X. Xers are designed do. to be cynical. Like, that's right. Stand that's back right. and watch the disaster happen and go, huh? 
That was yeah. kind of crappy. Look at that. You know? I expected that to suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is, this is why I would prefer to be Gen X over any other generation because, like, even when they love shade at us, we're like, yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's yeah most mostly correct my but. concern can be l- measured in nano give ships <laughs> <laughs> that's right good old that's good funny. old gen x um but uh uh <laughs> yeah, like realistically our review of everything is like yeah <laughs> i i think we're an exception yeah, i actually exception. we're very good we're very good at saying something's not good but mm-hmm. not getting too upset about it either. Yeah, you don't have to worry like, about we it. We don't like yeah. we, we don't cancel anything. Well, whatever. Yeah, Let it be what it wants to be. <laughs> we don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The most com- here's to the most comfortable generation. Eh. <laughs> 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 yeah, I guess. Sure. <laughs> any case, any case. Yeah, the, uh, yeah like uh, superheroes. I mean, I love. I I really do love great superhero movies. Like my yeah. the the thing that I that uh the thing that bugs me is that they have become uh it's like it, what bugs me is anything that becomes interchangeable with itself bugs me because then there's nothing really creative going on and like i mean i think that that superhero movies star wars movies as well generally speaking like they have reached a level of professionalism in terms of their production that you can count on them not being boring or bad um but they feel more or less identical to the previous six that you've seen and so yeah. like that is the that's to me like artistically that's the greatest sin that you can commit is like when you make things just fine like why are you making them like like it's a, because it's it's part of a corporate branding thing so everybody is the it's the corporate directors yeah. corporate directors directors who are oh it's also people are greenlighting films chain. are people are greenlighting films are lawyers not creatives yeah of course yeah, yeah. Yeah. Trust me. Well, yes, well, like yeah. business-wise, that makes the most sense, right? I mean, the amount of meetings I've had in the past year with yeah. basically lawyers—it's it's the yeah, it's yeah, lawyers, it's, man. Yeah, they're they're um, going to go for the percentages, and that's how it always works out. I mean, it doesn't work out a, long term. It all, it quick, quick second to to say hi to a couple of people in our chat. I want to say hi to Bing Cortana, uh, Commander Root, uh, Ron Herbst. And do I think everyone else you've already said hi to, but I want to say that's hi right. to those guys. Run on, run on. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining. Hello, uh, thank you. And yeah, also, Mike knows uh, he is 44, so definitely in our generation. Yeah, so, right on. Go for it, Mike. Not to necessarily out your age, but you did put it in the chat. So You looked so much younger when you were on the podcast previously. That's all I'm saying. He's not in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's right but yeah uh, no I like because I, I i actually just rewatched um uh logan uh uh again with oh my that's son. a good and film that movie is that is a superhero film and see, that, that, yeah. that's, that's the thing this owes an exception to the rule yeah like you know and all he had, all he had to do is be original and fresh that was it that was the one step we're good took. we're good i don't care yeah. just be yeah. good yeah right that's it you know like like uh 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 uh, uh, uh deadpool loved yeah. it yeah, freaking super hilarious super, completely super different than the formula of blah western yeah. give me a western i don't care if it's western give me a good right. film right well like because I, I feel yeah, like but the, the people that made those movies chris like deadpool are unique artists you know what i mean they're not corporate guys right right yes, well, that, that's the, yeah like because this is the uh this, this is the thing is that i think that we're in you know we i I know we bring this up every time, but it's my favorite thing to talk about. Is I do feel like there were at a kind of a turning point um, because the like the kinds of VFX that used to be only only uh, doable by incredibly large studios 
uh, are more and more becoming very doable by smaller and smaller groups of people, especially ones with a really focused vision as to what they're trying to show, right? Real mm-hmm. artists who are making real movies. And so I think what's going to happen is you're going to get like, if these are truly Westerns, then it's, we're about like 10 seconds away from entering the Sergio Leone crossover into a different style of Western, you know, like the super cheap shot in Spain Western uh, only for superhero movies. You know, and because like you're going to be, you're going to get something that's totally fantastic that shows up on whatever YouTube or something um, that's made by like, you know, 10 folks uh, who are really good at VFX. And because they're not spending any money on it, they can do whatever the fuck they want. And then, of course, out of the 60s, you get like some of the greatest Westerns ever made, you know, like some of the most like genre defining things. I think that my hope for superheroes is they've been dominating for so long. It's so much the soup that we you know, we're swimming in that people will uh, innately want to try to break out of it and they'll want to do the same thing, but do it right in their minds, which means something new, you know? And I think that that's becoming like, when you see what unreal can do, you know, uh, in virtual production, like the first thing you're going to fucking make with that is a superhero movie. Like that stuff is built for that, you know? And so it's going to be, it's going to be some 20 year old, 18 year old who downloaded unreal for free. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know if it'll be superhero, though. Well, I mean, like, you're going to... I'm, that'll well, be it's not going to be my dinner with Andre created in Unreal. I, no, would, I right. would definitely want to see that. <laughs> I want to see my no, dinner with Robot Andre in I think, Unreal. I think you're going to start seeing people making uh, Enter the Void type movies. Well, I think that's I think that's part of this, right? But the thing yeah. is, like, like it's it's normal for indie filmmakers to want to make arty, obscure movies. Right. But what hasn't been true is the people that want to make big uh, Marvel style movies like they used to have to wait to become, uh, you know, the head of Marvel Studios in order to make those movies. Now they can do it if they have like, say, seventy five thousand dollars, they can start doing it. And oh, so yeah. you're, like you're going to send one of those guys, you know, like one of these people is going to be great at it. And so you're going to get like, you know, some woman's going to make a movie out of nowhere on YouTube and everyone's going to go, have you fucking seen this movie? It's two hours long. I couldn't believe how good it was. The effects were out of this world and it's a superhero movie. And and she made it with her, you know, friends. Here's what happens though. I love, uh, I just read it yesterday. I love Fleabag. Uh, I even have the script. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know where you're going with this going. Yeah. And it's like, she did the one woman, one act in the Edinburgh festival. She made Fleabag seasons one and two with three years apart. Genius mm-hmm. stuff. Now, today, she's she, co- she's co-starring with Harrison Ford in the next Indiana, Indiana Jones. Jones. That's right. That's right. How do you feel about that, so, Eric? I can see on your face. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> look, I love Harrison Ford. Sure. It, but the point is, they're going to make their Tangerine, or right. they're going to make their Enter the Void. Then Tangerine, they're just going right. to go main. Yeah, I know. And it's like into the system, and that's the thing. And right. I feel like a lot of those superhero movies are just reflective of the, the mergers and acquisitions that were going on with Disney buying, you know, oh, sure. Marvel and all that crap. And it was just basically a corporate thing. And I think um, you're right, but everyone's just going to get into that system. Once it, it is the big temptation. Like once you get into that ring, like, do you, do you cross over and do you sell your soul, you know, creatively? Okay. Hold and on. Some, hold some on. people do. I'm going to give you an example of something different, right? Mm-hmm. So, you go with a director, right, who does really cool stuff. I'm like, that guy's amazing, right? And I'm going to start with Garrett Edwards, right? Sure. Garrett right. Edwards yes. did Monster 
And he did it for $50,000 for Great a freaking movie. And it all with was like, Scoot Holy. McNary, who I love. He By the like, way, Holy before shit, this Monster, amazing. you know what he was doing was yes. tutorials. Yeah. And yeah, I, I have all his early, it's a great stuff. You can right. see how he was evolving. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So he does Monster. And then he's like, this is amazing. What's his next movie? Godzilla. Godzilla right? Godzilla right. is a terrible film. Right. It is. And it's terrible <laughs> and whatever else. Right. But he doesn't fucking give up. And right. then he makes Rogue One. Yep. Right. So there's there's a little more detail to that story that, that's interesting. But yeah, you essentially I think you're correct. Because Rogue One then, I love. Rogue One right. I love. Yeah. And I'm not trying to simplify it, but yeah, actually I am because we need to move on. But at the same time, I uh, think that there's 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 stuff that you know, there's there's ins and outs to every story that are yeah, here. absolutely. And also, Eric, I, I would say like I have a little hope for I have more hope for that Indiana Jones movie than oh, I yeah. have for any other one. Not only because she's in and I love her, uh, but also because the director is James Mangold, who directed Logan. He's great. Yeah, yeah he's right. great. So like he's they, a great, they, they great, great director around. though. Oh, he's great. I mean, and he's like he's start with someone who started indie. He started with like Copland and stuff like that. That's and right. He, Remember Copland? He, oh, it's a great picture. You blew uh -oh. it. Yeah, it's incredible. With Stallone. Uh, yeah, Stallone. Yeah, yeah. De Niro. It's great. And the uh, like a really really great film indie movie, right? And he crossed over into big time studio filmmaking, but he didn't sell his soul. He made some. He still made some of the great studio films, you know. And Lo Logan is a studio picture. He just convinced him to make a good one. You know, yeah. so like, like oh, having, having well, Logan would not have happened without Deadpool. Oh, okay. I totally agree, but it's still studio. Like, I mean, like, yeah. I, like, like he made like that's what he's talking about. Yes, yeah. I understand. Like, man, like you don't like Logan is not even like Deadpool is a massive departure from studio uh, style, no. obviously. Uh, but it's actually, I think, it's just as hard to convince a studio to make something that's very, very close to studio, which is what Logan is. Like Logan, in many ways. It's a very classical studio film, but it's classical. I've seen Logan. Oh, it's great! Like, oh, it's a good uh, film. You really, like it's really, it. really good. It's a, the it's my favorite superhero movie, and the uh, and it's it's and a little heisty too. You like it? You like it? I want to see Fury. I want to see Fury. Fury, because Which, I, oh. I've been watching Training Day again, and it's the same oh, yeah. writer. Oh yeah, 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 right, right, right. No, you no. I would say check out Logan. It's 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 excellent, and the and he made a movie that would have been studio in like the 60s like it's a little bit daring like they're trying something out you know and uh and like it's still basically a superhero movie it hits all the right superhero notes but they're doing things that studios don't want to do in the bigger movies like you wouldn't see a character like the little girl in logan doesn't show up in uh you know marvel films like so that's a dangerous character to put in your movie because it's oh, a yeah. little crazy it's a little bit weird to do that you know, and right. uh, and he was able to convince that. So I have, I do have hopes for that situation. But I do, I still always want to push. Like all those tools are filtering down to, you know, eighteen and twenty year olds, and they don't need giant studios to back them up. So I expect yeah. a whole different run of things. Things very soon. Okay, so uh, basically, there's. A... Sorry, uh, I'll keep talking. Uh, so basically what happens is that we find out there's somehow maybe the Russians are possibly involved in this situation. Right. On, we're back to sneakers, by the way. Sorry. For, <laughs> Just shifting. For the, you know, 20 minute derailment there, but right. back to sneakers. The Russians may be involved in this or maybe the Russians want to get access to the Hold on a second, whatever guys. the situation is. Yeah, That's yeah. fine. Um, so basically that's what's going on. 
and uh as as that happens basically like uh uh the uh they're trying to they're trying to figure out how to get away from it and then oh that by the way robert redford says friends with a russian spy or what used to be a right. russian spy uh and that person gets killed yeah in the situation and it turns kind of ugly and, and and this is kind of cool it has some good twists to it it some does good twists. it's a it's a pretty sharp script it's a pretty interesting sharp script it's pretty there's a there's a huge amount of plot holes but sharp yeah. twist yeah sharp, it's, sharp it's, it's a good like with your plot holes chris come on <laughs> come on well I don't know why I'm. There's down. a certain point. I think here's my theory. If you go and put that many great stars in, it's kind of like a, a Gatlin gun of people not leaving. To people won't leave their seats because I love Sidney Poitier and the dynamic. With yeah, but Sidney Poitier had, like he had no. He could have been anyone, and he didn't really play a Sidney Poitier character. There was nothing yeah. Poitierness oh, about him. Actually, he did. There was one scene where they said, "Hey, midnight, put your hands up," and he oh, just that turned. Was good. That was, was good. That was, that was good. Okay, was I'll give you that. But yeah. yeah, I think you know, it maybe started out as smaller. I would have loved to have seen it just the Kingsley Redford because I love Three Days right. in Condor, but it didn't. Right. But I still enjoy it because that ensemble. It's almost like you know what it is: Ocean's Eleven. It's exactly yeah. right. And, and they and, probably and, were like, let's see if we can make a franchise out of this. And, but there was something about the, the ensemble in Baby Driver that somehow worked a little uh, bit. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you like, like Baby I, Driver. I, 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 I loved Baby Driver. Yeah. And I loved it more the second time, actually. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good fun time. I saw it the first time. I was like, this is pretty good. And I just, I, after rewatching see, it this I time, didn't I was like, like Baby Driver. Okay, and we'll get okay. to uh, interesting. This is going to be yeah. great. So I'm so excited about this. This is going to be great. But yeah, did like you I, see I think it in the theaters. Did everybody see it in the theaters? I saw nope. Baby Driver in the theater. Yeah, I saw sneakers in the theater. As a matter of fact, I did. Um, I saw sneakers in the theater. Yeah, but like it's interesting when you bring it with sneakers because like sneakers that is essentially like there's three possible movies going on with sneakers, right? Yes. One is the uh, fluffy light not '90s comedy, right? Yep. Uh, one is the actually pretty interesting uh, political storyline. social yep. storyline that's happening between right? Kingsley and Redford. Between Kingsley and Redford, right? And then there's this like third movie that happens occasionally in the movie where the movie feels very. Well, no, like I was gonna say, like there's a there's a flavor it hits, and this is part partly because of the music. Um, but there's a very unique feeling to this movie that feels kind of dreamy and spooky and i don't mm. know exactly how to pin this down but the music i remember the music the music at the time really struck me as being weird um and there's there are moments in the movie where they grab onto this flavor that uh, i think really only exists in movies like um grand canyon maybe also with mary mcdonald uh, where it, it feels like very specific but very like lucid dreamy and i'm like I wish they finished making that movie. That's the most interesting movie of the bunch. Yeah, for me. that's the, the lucid dreamy when he's dropped out of the car. Yeah, exactly. You got exactly what I'm talking about. That's exactly right. That and was like, beautiful. and like, I'm just like, there is something. There's a freaky movie to be made here that I really want to see, and they only make it about ten percent of the time. And then the rest of the time, they're making kind of trying to make a studio picture with Redford, but Redford's trying to make Three Days of the Condor Part Two. 
And so like there's it's caught between these different modes Thanks, that yeah. never I never that's fully what left. I was feeling. I think you're absolutely right because if they just focused on one thing, it could could that's have been right. a little bit easier. The yes, Kingsley but, thing. But it's so strong, the Kingsley Redford thing, that you can walk out and just focus on that in your memory and be like, Yeah, that was pretty cool. I got some of the points. Honestly yeah, speaking, bad. I thought Kingsley and Redford thing was the for me at least was the weaker part of it because I'm like I didn't really buy Kinsley and him as being close in the after thing. I bought Kinsley as being this weird eccentric, you know, he, he basically played, he played the bad guy from uh, 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 the Incredibles. Like you treated me wrong <laughs> right. all these years ago. Uh, and here right. I have created an empire and destroying right. you. It was like, right. uh, okay. You know, right. I've created. And so there wasn't like, I wasn't quite buying it with Kinsley. And then I, I thought I think you're right though that this is like if if you if you take everything that this group is right you tighten it up a little bit you take the blind guy who's like mm -hmm. who can hear things right this is right. kind of a superpower by the way right? <laughs> apparently so right, right. and and then, and then you take all the like the hacker that and was my kid. least favorite part was right. with him that guy right. I just but you great, take all, great actor, that, all that you take all that and you have a TV show that's the A team right it's like okay right yeah you right. got it yeah and that's uh, yeah. good it's a cool a team it's a right. cool a team and i'm like, not yeah, i'm like, not against the a team i like the i a really think that this was the first movie i saw that uh woke me up to the concepts that we now talk about you know the sort of like yes. citizen four style concepts about uh about government spying and all this kind of stuff oh yeah um, that i that i had ever seen and i, I was really sort of electrified by it when i saw it um, yep. And it seems science fictional. And of course, now it feels really sort of like, oh, well, it turns out that it's way worse than that, like a zillion times worse than that. Um, who, who, what was the What was the film? Was it with Will Smith and uh, about the Enemy government of the state. spy? Enemy of the state. That's what it was. That yeah, was but, Tony Scott, and I like that Scott. movie. Yeah, it's a good fun yeah. movie. It's, like they they hinted at being it's the kind same of, type of movie, you know, but. Well, it's like the yeah, it's the like it's it's if Tony Scott directed the conversation, that's what you that's what you end up with. <laughs> that's, that's right. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I like that. I like that movie. But the uh, uh, but this one, like, because of the sort of the spooky, uh, like, weird flavor of the filmmaking and what it was talking about, like, it lived pretty large in my mind in terms of like it made an impact on me. Like, it was it's like it's not a totally together movie, but it definitely landed right in my head in a very in a new space for me at that time that I've been kind of looking for ever since. And I think that these the 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 way that we treat technology whoa you went total you went total robotic on us yeah you yep yeah, no it's uh you're barely there okay sorry yeah, oh, you're back you're back oh, there we you're go there we are. yeah boy i could see it on twitch um yeah. <laughs> but yeah like i don't i don't know if anybody like uh, have you guys seen citizen four the documentary on um snowden yeah no. right and it's like the um uh like this movie like freaked me out and not because of the, of the content so far uh so much uh uh i'm just looking up right now citizen four documentary um and uh hang on for one second this is uh yeah so like it was the rooftop conversation yeah like there's a the the tone of citizen four is brilliant because basically you now a huge chunk of this movie just takes place in Snowden's like hotel room. Right. And, uh, and it, 
uh, it feels like he is being very paranoid uh, to start with. But the longer the movie goes <laughs> on, you realize that he's he's literally not paranoid at all. It's this is actual what he's talking about is actually happening, and everything that he's saying is going on is going on around. Him. You gone gone rogue. You're gone wrong, Dan. All right, good talk. Sorry for the sorry for the. obviously saying Snowden six the NSA on us. That's what happened. Yeah, yeah, he did. I think Snowden basically or the NSA. You're talking. Don't say the S word. Yes, because right. our bandwidth will go wow. down. <laughs> exactly. And that is, I, if, if this validates everything you're saying, I think it's right now, right? <laughs> know, exactly. The minute you say the S word, our bandwidth goes down. There. Yeah. Sorry about that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Good idea. But yeah, like the, there's no fictional film that's really, that has been modern uh, that I can think of. Anyway, you tell me in the chat if I'm wrong, but like there's nothing that has uh, talked about this as a, uh, as a subject or as an idea uh, very well. Like it's played as sort of like, there's like a lot of slick stuff and a lot of, you know, oh, you know, the NSA is so-and-so well. And there's a little bit of like hints of this in like Captain America 2 and stuff like that. But I'm like, in real, watching Sneakers, I was like, I really missed the uh, 1970s when uh, the movies really distrusted the government. And then it and turned out to it be on. right. Exactly. Yeah. And, so uh, here's the thing, right? Like, like real quick about sneakers, it's like y- you saw it in theaters, Eric, right? Mm-hmm. And you saw it in theaters too, Dan, right? Yes. So I'd never seen it until yesterday or the day before, whenever I saw it, right? So even though I'm obviously the same age, actually, uh, as you guys, uh, a little bit uh, younger than uh, Eric, uh, but um, I didn't see it till yesterday. So to me, it was like meh. A little bit because it right. felt there was some datedness to it. So I think if you, if I had seen this in 1992, I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more. Oh yeah, it felt and like it was before 92. Right, and so it, and then if I had if I had seen it now again after seeing it in 92, I think I would have had fond memories of it, and it would have painted a picture for me that would have been different. Right. So I think that's part of the issue. However, I do believe there is some great stuff inside this film mm-hmm. and making it a TV show and updating it slightly totally makes sense, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a great idea. It's like, oh, well, yeah, okay. It's not, a, it's not a genius film. Don't get me wrong. It's just, No, it's not. But, that, but, uh, but I get it. It's, it's, it's And I, I agree with Dan. When I saw that in some that rooftop shot is my favorite because I really was like blown away by what the way they were talking about what they were talking about and realized, you know, you were starting to get modems around that time or a couple years later. And all of a sudden everything changed and it makes sense. There were actually some points that they really, they touched on that are absolutely. When did you get your first modem? 94, 95. I got mine 88. Well, you were I didn't know how to use it. Fairly Chris. tech savvy, right? You were, yeah, you I guess. I guess, but there was no internet back then. But there was right. something called a BBS. Do you guys remember yep. BBSs? That's right. I did yeah. that in New York. Yeah, it was a lot of hacking going on in that 
stuff. That was oh, back sure. when the, the anarchist cookbook was popular. You guys remember yeah, that thing? I do remember <laughs> that, of course. No, we were saying all the right words for fucking getting uh, spied on right now, by the way. Just right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's now yeah. an anarchist cookbook. Well, um, yeah. uh, Gen Xer is what I'm saying. Yeah, but was, yeah exactly. It was like the, the NSA is like, you know they're going to start talking about infinite jest licks, right? Wow. <laughs> What's my bandwidth suddenly like a... <laughs> wow. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, no, the... Uh, uh, like this... I, I think that there's something... And I'm sneaking up on a segue to a baby driver, by the way. The... Um, uh, that, that there's... There's something about uh, this movie that is trying to... Um, that is trying to recapture something from the seventies that got lost. And I really liked how oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And so like the, and, and I, I like that in this very, very, and you do that with Robert Redford and Sidney Poitier, right? Right. So exactly. that's who, that's why you bring those guys back is because they're going to try to bring that flavor back. A little right. Bit. Right. And I think that the studio that made the movie probably, you know, made them back off a little bit and not back off a hundred percent. Yeah. They probably that's what yeah. sold Kingsley and Redford and Poitier. And right. then when it started to become this kind of buddy, buddy, fun stuff, right? And we need River Phoenix; he's a star. And yep. all of a sudden, it became the studio was driving something. They were probably right. like, "Yeah," and yeah. it just becomes a little bit flatter and a little bit more sort of like watching a, you know, it's like Friends only with spies. You know, it's like that that kind of that thing, kind of thing is going on. But I, I like that they were reaching for something, um, reaching for something that they they knew was good and wanted to bring back. And I also like that the story itself is reaching for something that is something that wasn't. That, that was very ahead of its time. And I wish that that would come back. No, it's funny. You said it was friends with spies, right? And is right. that the reason that millennials seem to like this? Cause millennials love, love friends. friends. That's very true. Yeah. Well, and it's, so, it's so what, friends. what is going on where this movie, that is like a movie that by the way, did not do well, right? It did not no, do bombed. well. Yeah. Bombed no, big time. Yeah. So yeah. why is it that it bombed? Um, and then why is it that millennials seem to like this film? Yeah, well, I think that I think that it bombed because it was probably too uh, like it was a bad cross between uh, what's bad about studios and what's interesting about the movie. Like we were just talking, it's just like it, there's no audience for this movie that in 1990, whatever it is, like it's like you either you want you know Redford to be yeah. at the top of his game, uh, or you're wanting something really frivolous and light. And there's no in yeah. between that really works very well. Because I mean, That's like right. I think that like uh, that Redford. Redford had made this sort of great transition to being a director at that point. Uh, Out of Africa in '84, yeah, exactly, and uh, and ordinary people and and all this stuff. And it turns out that he, you know, he's the real deal. Like he's really, really incredibly talented director. Um, and but there's something that when the '90s came along, there was a tonal shift towards like generic positivity, and uh, and I think that was bad for Redford. Like Redford is is a really handsome. A uh, likable personality, but there is something under under that that is uh, more suspicious. And oh like, yeah, and so like that's what he works in all the presidents' men and Three Days of the Condor and and stuff like that particularly well because it fits in with the sort of like the image of America uh, with something sketchy underneath. And uh, and when he, they tried to fit him into stuff like legal eagles and shit like that, where you're just like, the fuck <laughs> is this thing? You yeah, know, I, I like, almost feel like we should do three days of the condors and legal eagles as like no, the, the, as, as a as a combo of two different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah call it before like, and after. 
Yeah, yeah. Legally Glitz is not a bad movie. I mean, it's like no, it has that, but it's that, super that Reitman like, don't yeah, it's yeah, like, exactly. Yay. And it's very breezy, and that's why it feels like, what? The, why? Why is Robert Redford in this movie? That doesn't make right. any sense at all. But you, you know? see, here's the thing, right? Legal Eagles seems to me like something that's going to be very uh, nothing wrong with it. it. Nothing wrong with this film either. But it seems like something millennials will be. If you gave them between the choice between Legal Eagles and Three Days at a Condor, millennials Legal are going to choose Three Days at a Condors, and uh, sorry, millennials will choose Legal Eagles, and yeah, Gen X will use Three Days at a Condor. No, without but, a doubt. Without yeah, doubt. We, yeah, we yeah. we want cynicism. We want yeah. doubt. Yeah, <laughs> like, and, I, and I think I think because I'm I'm and you don't I'm, want make believe. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think like that's, everybody's I think, happy and everyone has their place. That's well, know, this everyone is the thing. fits like a wheel. I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not at all a cynical person. I don't believe in cynicism. Um, but uh, in fact, I'm very much like I think that you get at real positivity by being very direct and honest about how you feel. Uh, and well, so, there's that, nothing dishonest about cynicism. I'm not saying there's something dishonest about cynicism. I just think that it's wrong. Why? Why? <laughs> like because like expecting things to be bad is like expecting things to be great like both those things are wrong like well, they're going to be a mix of both like it's it's good to be, it's good to have sort of like a you know to be a little savvy and you know not be surprised when things go wrong but when you are like cynicism it says things are shitty and they're always on the downslope and that's just not actually factual like I, I think that like that's as that's as false as thinking that no things are always going to get better. Well, no, I, they're not. I have, I have <laughs> like, become I become more oh, cynical with cynical. age. And cynical is I consider myself a cynical person, and mm -hmm. yes. I I just think you think so. Yes, um, I do I not. I do think, not consider either of you to be cynical. In my view, of what cynicism is. Yeah, but you're talking about somebody who's always negative, negative or whatever. I I just think most people are full of shit, and if they start talking and everyone's got an angle everyone has a hustle and so sure. i'm cynical in a sense of like i know i could figure out people's angle so right. if that's cynical because it's like sure okay yeah let's talk monday okay so that's <laughs> i don't think that's yeah, negative right. i just am right. like okay, well, I, think no, I, think, okay. So I think i think that you, you and i basically agree the, the the tonal shift between you and i is that it's when you said uh, every, everyone's full of shit right like there's a there, that's a that's a, there's commitment to that belief, and I understand, right? When I say that, I go, "Well, everyone's full of shit." Instead, which is like I expect that, but that's okay. Like, like uh, knowing that. Oh, is, I, is I, I'm not going to condemn somebody, but right. I just I'm always like, okay, you know, everyone yeah. has their hustle. Everyone wants right. something no, for you. themselves to move forward, and right. so I'm never candy coated. Like, oh yeah, okay, but it's like, yeah, okay, he's got an angle. But I'm never like hey, it will never work. When you were talking about cynicism, I you know things happen, and if you you know, I, but to be like right. it's like the, the I, kind, I never the kind of cynicism that I dislike is the kind that keeps you from appreciating great beauty, and that's 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 what I that's what I try and fight against. So when you, when you can't watch a Terrence Malick film and be affected by it because you have so oh, yeah. many defenses against it then you're okay doing all right, all right, all right. ron ron has brought up a very good point and this yeah, is pessimism not cynicism that that's fair that's a very okay. that's a very fair look at cynical yeah. cynical is based on okay so my wife and i have had this conversation for a long time and ron you can interject anytime you want but yeah. <laughs> she i always say that she's very pessimistic everything she says like well this is probably going to happen and that's probably the negative part is probably what's going to happen and i say but it may not 
and why wait for that and try to see maybe something good would happen. Right. Right. And so I, she says, you are an optimist, which means you're not based on reality. And I am a pessimist, which means a realist. <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> That's, and I was like, she's like, I'm based on reality and I'm based on hope. Right. She, she uses the term reality as a way to justify her pessimism. And I use the term hope as a way to, justify my optimism right okay right? so i i have I've yeah. now, here's that. the thing she yeah. doesn't like being disappointed so she always is pessimistic she, did she in order to disappoint herself <laughs> she pre-disappoints herself so therefore if something happens that's good then she's happily surprised i was right. like you miss so many opportunities if you do that right i, I agree with you chris the True. The, the, th the thing that the way that i phrase it and the like the thing that i'm against is hope like Give up hope. I I think hope is useless, and I don't mean that to sound cynical. I don't I don't think of that as being cynical. I just think that uh, like hope is uh, is living for it's like is trying to be in a future that you can never be in. Like what you want to be is right now and appreciating what is beautiful right now. Like that's oh, the, yes. that's the actual place you want to be. You don't want to be like yes. someday my life won't suck is not a good place to no, be. No, 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 because that borders on nostalgia problems, right? Yeah, it's Sometimes. a reverse yes. nostalgia. It's exactly. a reverse nostalgia problem. Yeah. But 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 uh, yes, and so you're right. Hope is that. But the only way to be successfully optimistic mm -hmm. is to be okay with disappointment. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> and These that's are things the that problem. Today. Well, it's like there's a great uh, there's a great parable. I like I'm going to mess this up entirely. The old parable about uh, like uh, you know guy who you know uh, I believe this is Chinese. So it's like you know like there's a you know you know war going on and uh, and uh, uh, you know uh, this a father has a son. The son's working in the field and, uh, and he's like you're doing such a great job working in the field. I I, I really hope this war doesn't come to us. Um, and uh, and then and the, and, the, and, the, and you know the, the, the dad says the grandfather says well we'll see you know and then the army shows up and they're like we have to take your son and then uh, and was that good or bad well we'll see and every turn of the story goes we'll see right because like everything from a different point of view can be a good right and so like it maybe it's good that the son broke his leg falling off the roof because now he won't be killed in the war you know it was bad that you broke your leg when you broke your leg but now suddenly it's good that you broke your leg you know so like it it just requires the perspective of knowing that uh there there is always a different now that is coming that may make things that seem terrible better and that is the only thing you need to worry about with hope is like if you're suffering in the moment, you can depend that this moment is going to be gone in a second. Like that's the one thing you can have faith in is that this doesn't last. Mm -hmm. And so what you need to do is find the beauty in what is happening. And that's it. Of the now. Of the now. There is the now. And you don't worry about anything else. You can plan for things, but you're planning for them in the now. You can remember things, but you're remembering them in the now. And as long as you can do that, you don't have to worry about being optimistic or pessimistic. You can just say, like, I'm experiencing a beautiful thing, or I'm experiencing something sad, but there's something beautiful in it. Ron wants to say that the Nazis in Raider the Lost Ark said that it was beautiful before being melted. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Optimistic. And when they were being uh, when they were being melted, that He's was just appreciating beauty. <laughs> uh, exactly. Thank you, Ron, for bringing that up. All right, how did we completely uh, miss take you off the rails to do your guy your your transition to Baby Driver? 
Oh yeah. So uh, what I was going to say <laughs> here's the lead in on Baby Driver, yeah, uh, 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 that uh, Baby Driver uh, is made by someone who dearly loves the same kind of movies that I do, and he is trying to reach back to reclaim that kind of thing in a system that doesn't really want him to make those movies. And, uh, and I think that, I think that baby driver, and this is, I'll, I'll try and get ahead of this a little bit. I don't think the screenplay or the structure to baby driver is very good. I think it's a mess, but Thank the you. execution and the love with which it is made is astonishingly entertaining. Like, like I was well, just like, every all, single scene is so electric and so alive. Like he just loves this fucking movie and he loves the same movies that I love. So baby I, that's driver, baby driver is. And it has been argued. So I'm, this is not a new thought. I'm not rev- revealing anything. Baby Driver is actually a musical where no one is singing. Absolutely yep. true. 100% agree. Great 100%. idea. Yeah. yeah like, like the bullets are timed out to the beat of the scene, literally. Yes. And the music, everything happens. Listen, they had a choreographer on, like as in the credits, right? It is definitely choreographed to an extreme. All the characters are extreme characters that you would normally find in a musical. Right. Uh, and I didn't get that as much the first time I watched it as I, the second time I watched it. Right. And I loved it the second time I was like, meh, the first time I watched it, I was like, pretty good. I like the music. I like the driving cool action. Yep. Kind of blah plot. Right. Mm-hmm. The second time I watched it, I was like, Oh, I missed part of this. Like I got it. Like they were good. They were fun and great ensemble cast. Each one of those characters fits the role really well. Mm -hmm. In fact, the one one that's one of the weirdest kind of weaker characters of this was actually uh, Spacey, believe it or not. Like he was like, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. Well, huh. I, don't, I don't know what I like this. In fact, Spacey is. Uh, if I'm, I'm going to stay on the criticism train for a little while because I know that Eric didn't like this movie. And I want to give him some thread to work with. But like, Spacey is ah, ah, the God, is so, like union guy. I want to give a little thread <laughs> to this guy to work with. That's like a roadie for Kenny Rogers says stuff That's like it. that. I want to hey, give you Kenny, a little. You, know, you got to know when. You remember I said that time you got to know when to fold them, right? That's you got to know when to hold them, kid. Come on, I want to give you a little thread to work with here now, son. Back in Nashville in the fifties in the Ryman right. Theater, we knew what we were doing. That's more or less my role in the show. So the uh, like so that, like, that is, <laughs> it's very it's true. Country coming back, <laughs> but the but Spacey. I mean, aside from I don't have like I still watch old Spacey movies, no matter what the hell is going on with Ke- say Kevin Spacey and what a creepy is. Like I still love uh, Usual Suspects. I still love uh, uh, L.A. Confidential. Like they're completely amazing, and they have not lost any of their shine. However, this movie, he's. Uh, he's hamming it up in a bad way. Like he's overselling everything he's doing. And, he, and by the way, he hit the craft service table so hard because he was so busting fast. out of that. Oh my God. Kevin, what's that? No happening? more bagels and locks for you. Yeah, it's how it goes. But the, but I didn't, in terms of the screenplay, I couldn't figure out what he meant as a character to baby driver. Like, why is this guy central to the, Baby driver. I think you're going to have to go back to West Side Story and look for the for the for the possibilities there, because yeah. I think you're right, Chris. It is a musical, and sure. the beats and it's a great soundtrack. Beautiful, beautiful oh, soundtrack. Great. 
Great. And and the yeah. like everything about it is something. After that, I'm going to say nothing but nice things. But like the movie doesn't. The movie's plot and meaning. Like the movie's plot doesn't hold together for me because I don't know what I'm supposed to be paying attention to. It's just sort of changing shit up randomly throughout the film in entertaining ways. But by the end, I was like. I feel like this is a bunch of people made a bunch of different short films and they got jumbled together. Like, I don't know what the, I don't know what the meaning of that was, but the execution is fucking gold throughout. Okay. So like, that's, that's my, that's my overall, that's my over under on, um, on baby driver. Thank you. Who wants it? Who wants to take that now? Eric, you hit it. Go. It's cold outside. Hold on. Um, my cat, my cat is, wants to get out of the room i have the door closed hold on let me let him out oh man all right dan so you like this movie i i wasn't can you hold on no hold on just a second all right please stand by um (laughs) did you know you can reach martini giant at www.martinigiant.com i just i just didn't want to miss what you have to say so go ahead Failure is Dave 3D guy. Very yes, it's a requirement for progress. Yep. My my as I've said this before in the podcast, my grandmother, God bless her, and Anna Borga used to mm-hmm. say, wear the cloak of life lightly. And it's yeah, sounds yeah. goofy, but it's true. You just gotta be like, yeah, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and start all over again, like Frank did. Yeah, that's what it is. And if you decide to like, you know, we all know people who have uh, say given up on whatever it is they said they want to do with their life. You know, say so, like this happens a lot in film. You know, people are just like oh, I tried to make it as a director and I didn't, and so I'm giving up. And like I feel like you're certainly ensuring that you won't do that thing now by giving up. So be if you were giving up, be okay with giving up. Don't sit around and bitch that you had to give up. Like you have to go like, listen, I I've done this for you 50 have to years. own it. I know what yeah, you're you saying. have to own it. You just have to say like I no longer want to keep doing this. I want to do something else that will make me happy, then that's the right way to do it. I know like 20 people who, you know, like they gave up and moved away to blah, blah, blah. And now more or less all they do is talk about the fact that, you know, how it sucks and they had to give it up. And I'm just like, that's all, that sounds like a Wait shitty a minute, job. Not the one that I know. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I know. I know a few people like this, you know, and well, I know the I, one I, I know Mr. in Texas, he doesn't think like that. No, no, no. I don't think so. No, definitely not. No. Uh, you know like, who I'm uh, talking about. Yeah, no, I know who you're talking about. No, I think that that's he. He is actually this uh, mutual friend of ours um, uh, made the decision to leave LA, and I believe that he made it correctly by saying, "You know what? I don't enjoy this anymore, so I'm going to do something else." And I think that's the right way to look at things. And uh, whereas you're, if you're sitting around lamenting, man, lamenting is so, that's not a fun job. I would definitely give that shit up. Do something else. Have fun, or keep trying. Whatever. Right. Yeah. If you feel like it's a brutal way to beat your head against the wall, then stop doing that. It's not required. Agreed. Yeah. You keep going or, yeah, just that's what life. Yeah. That's the way it is. But Eric, please take it away. Go ahead. Tell us. I don't know what to say. I I wasn't a fan of this movie, but, and I wasn't ever actually going to see it. It's interesting that you would say that because it feels like it's a heist film that you would, it has a lot of earmarks for for an me. Eric film. For an Eric film, right? And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Okay. I actually wasn't going to say this, but I w- I'm like, screw it. I don't care. But I think the reason why I, when I saw it, and 
and I saw that it was um, Al Gore, um, I was like, you know, it just made me feel old because I used to work for his father. <laughs> oh, man. That's a good story. So I rem- Ansel Elgort, uh, the main character, uh, who plays Baby Driver. Oh, right. Yeah. I used to work for Arthur Elgort, his father, back in the early 90s. And I remember he used to come by. He was like four years old. And he had the best studio in the world. It was on Crosby and Grand. And it had the top ceiling was like cut. It was a turn of the century building with light. And he was a Vogue um, photographer. And I remember... Uh, I used to just drive the car around and then, but I did have the greatest uh, experience as a PA with his father. And um, I had to make soap bubbles for. Oh my God. I remember this story. (laughs) Christy Turlington was in the shower naked and I had rubber gloves and a bucket and came soap. And I had to rub the soap together and then put the bubbles on a tray and then go and drape them over her shoulder as we filmed her in the shower naked. And I just had to keep a straight face, like rub, friction, bubbles, tray up, drape. Okay. Let me get back out of the camera. I'm a professional. I am. I'm a pro. And I just remember like exactly getting on a break into the freight elevator. We went down on Crosby street and there was a bar called, uh, uh, red stripe, right? Like the beer. And it was a kind of a reggae lounge bar. Cool place. Crosby and Grant. And I'm standing there and this grip comes down and he just gets out of the freight and he's like, black diamond, baby. (laughs) And I was, (laughs) I always remembered. And he was just basically, you know, that was the best job I had. But other (laughs) than soap bubbles on a naked supermodel. Yeah. Yeah, And that was like 93. So that was pinnacle, you know? And so so, uh, 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 Ron Herbst says, he was the baby and you were the driver, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I do remember driving his father to location once because I just was, you know, I was going to grad school and I was a PA. And I remember driving his father. We went to a, a set on Long Island and I drove up the driveway and I was just, you know, supposed to be quiet. I'm like, holy shit. It was the house from. North by Northwest that he's going oh, to. Oh, yeah. Nice. That's great. That's so funny. The same yeah. house. And I was like, oh, Love my that. God. And he's like, yeah. what's the matter? I was like, that's the house from North by Northwest. But, yes, that was um, – I was just like, you know, I'm going to feel old and, you know, reflective of my life. Then I saw it last night. And I de- here's the, another thing that I realized. And if I'm ADD, that's fine. <laughs> but, what are we talking about? <laughs> Uh, we're talking finish about your, uh, finish your thought, Eric. Finish your thought. Finish your thought. I I realized last night I don't like movies. No. Don't. Why is this podcast? I'm oh, sorry. You don't like movies? What? Sorry. I'm sorry, Eric. I'm sorry. That I'm sorry. are anywhere USA. When the movies are not uh, oh, specifically right. a city, yeah. but they're like locations Generica? and it's anywhere. Generica, yeah. I dislike the movies because already yeah. they're a cartoon. Because well, every it, city and it was filmed in Georgia. Favorite. It was this was filmed in Atlanta, Georgia. but it it was shot as though it could have been Jersey or right. New York, and right. it, it just had a. It wasn't a distinct hey wide shot of Atlanta. We're coming in, and right. it just well, wasn't it seems, anywhere. It seems like Atlanta goes out of its way to not be filmed as Atlanta. Like Atlanta but is a tax break thing place, is, and they want to be. Yes, uh, right. but I yeah. just. Because oh, like, going back, going, going, sorry, real quick, going back to Thunder Force, which was supposed to be Chicago, was mm-hmm. all like 
after the credits of the actors that came up on the on the on, on the end credits, a Clearfield logo of the Georgia emblem came up. And you're like, what? <laughs> so Georgia get credited before after actors and before anyone else. That's Georgia wild. got credited. Yeah, Even though it was supposed to be Chicago in the script, it says Chicago. That's wild. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, hey, man. I like, thing is, man, I'm, I don't it's, blame. It's just sad. For it's like, to do what thing, the fuck is like... the point? This movie is supposed to be in Chicago, and yet it's yeah. all filmed Atlanta, and Atlanta or Georgia gets the full credit. What's the point of, of getting the tax credit? Isn't it to get people to want to go to Georgia? I would, I would assume so. But then the whole film is supposed to be in Chicago. So they're, yeah, they're going like, to want to go to Chicago. People go to Atlanta. What's like, the this point? Is nothing, <laughs> this is nothing like Chicago. Where's the, the deep pan pizza of, of Atlanta? Oh, <laughs> that's the thing. It's like um, I, I, I had trouble with the movie because I felt like everything was like beautiful vignettes. Right? Yeah. No, I agree with you. Came together. And right. it was a musical. The music was great. But it was yep. these vignettes that almost like it was looked great on storyboards, but I had felt like John Hamm was miscast. Right. I thought he was cool. It was interesting to have no, John Hamm. I, I, I love, I love oh, John By the way, I do too, but he has soft Greenwich, Connecticut eyes. And it's so <laughs> he just no, needs I was, I was Brothers, last Pierce last Tucker suit. If you think of it as a musical, if you. Yeah, if you think it's a musical, it's like I know, you know, I know a plane you can fly on. I know, you know, it's like it's West Side right. Story. Yeah, right. exactly. I mean, there are some tax credits in Georgia. Georgia. <laughs> and so I just felt like it was a little bit um, pasted together, a, li- a little, I, a little, a little bland on on the on the background. Great car driving scenes, yeah. but at the end, it. I also feel like there were really how they approached violence like the cop shot in the head was really mm. like heat dramatic you yeah. know but it's surrounded by fluff in a way that wasn't yeah. that you didn't want to take the characters too seriously or they were cartoonish yeah and, like there's, uh, there's a tonal tonal problem that causes a stakes issue where it's just like how dangerous is this movie like and i know actually right? the way to make that actually a, uh, i was thinking about it this morning and like the way to make that a great film is a sim- it's not simple, but don't change the crew. They changed the crew, and so all of a sudden it started all over again. Yeah, yeah, where yeah, it yeah. Should have been if that guy hated, you know, Elgort in the beginning. You watch his arc of hating him. If right. John Hamp, you know, and then maybe the girl who was yeah, really or, and if, or if you're going to yeah, like, if, right. If you're gonna if you're gonna swap out the crew, like swap them out like one by one as the stakes get higher. You know, and I think that, like, I think you're right to point out, Eric, that, like, it's the, the, like, when you're, like, I, you know, I'm not offended by extremely violent movies at all, but you do no, have to, use, not. yeah, like, you have to use violence uh, correctly. And when you use extreme violence frivolously, that makes me not take the threat seriously. Then it just becomes like comedy. And when you try to threaten people with extreme violence, it no longer is threatening. So like what, right. you need, what you what you need to do is sort of pace it up so it's like I didn't like, you want to make the audience feel safe that it's not going to go to that level. So when you cross the line and go to that level, 
it's a real punch in the face. It's a like, yes, and it's also that's what it does not. He happen. gives the purse back, or he gives the baby back to the woman. It takes away from those moments from that actor, right? Like, so yeah, it, would be, like it would be it would be a fragmented thing, and they didn't need Flea. Mm-hmm. They didn't yeah. need Flea in there. And would, it was you, just self-ref- would you say? Self-ref- would you say that it would be a better movie if <laughs> I uh, if we liked the main character less? Um, what without seeing his bl- uh, deaf uh, father? Yeah, if you were a little grittier of a character, would it have worked better for you? Yeah, because I felt he was like, um, I, I just, you know what it is? I just felt like he, he could have been grittier if people were less comical around him. They were very yeah. large, like, I'm knocking your glasses off the face. You know, right. like that kind of thing. And it's very musical, you know, right. and it's um, 50s musical where, you know, like a dork walks in and they, you know, in Back to the Future, right? They play, fu- make fun yes. of that guy. Yeah. The same kind of thing. It's too comical. And then it, it was hard to really, and then Kevin Spacey was like, okay, yeah, I, I didn't understand that and i felt like once they switched the crew i was like oh and then they killed the guy in the trunk but you don't know why so it probably was really beautiful storyboards with a great soundtrack well i think the the director is i really like the director and i think that he's i like him as as, i also like him as a a talented guy and like he's like he really really loves movies he like he's sort of like uh like he's like if and now you guys know how much I love Tarantino and I would love Tarantino to be on the show. And I love everything about him. That said, this guy who directed this movie also directed Shaun of the dead and, um, yeah. Oh gosh, all, you know, just wonderful stuff. And, uh, yeah. And the cop movie. Hot with, fuzz. Uh, hot fuzz. And, uh, but he, his personality is very much like if Tarantino were charming, it, it's this guy. You know, if it, like if you were a really just a flat out likable personality and knew a shitload about film, this is this dude. And so I like I like reading him on Twitter. I like the experience of like seeing interviews and watching him excitedly talk about the movie that he's making. And he obviously has a really good time on the set. But like I do think that his movies, like what the flaws in his movies are these. And when Eric says, you know, like that it's an it's a it looks like a great storyboard. I think that that's. Like if you were to say a level a really harsh critique at this dude, his movies are insanely fun. But the weakest point about them is that he's so good and so clever with his visuals that you can ride a long time on that before you notice that they haven't done enough work on the script. Okay, I got a couple things I want to say, but I want to address a few things that Dave 3D has put in a chat. Mm-hmm. First of all, he said that it's not about tourism for Georgia. It's about the almighty tax credit. Yes, for the studio it is. But what right. the fuck is Georgia going to get what is out it, of it? What do they get out of it? What right. do they get out of it, right? right? It's certainly not creating jobs no, 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 because no, no, everyone's no. driving there from there. Okay? Right. So, no, 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 so, no, no. But, they, but you, when you do those tax credits, Chris, I know you know this, but you're going to get – if you agree to shoot there and get that percentage back, you also have to do a large percentage of post there. Yeah, but so what? But that's what a is lot. George, but but what is Georgia getting out of this? Right. People like, work, as, as, and they're not making yeah. that much. Look, what they're they're hiring two hundred people that live there to work on stuff. It's not that much. Yeah, that's, not, that's not a big. The amount of production. money that they're gonna hand, the amount of money that they're handing out forty, like twenty, thirty percent, whatever the hell it is, it's a lot of money. Yeah, someone's like my my guess is that there is some 
uh, serious uh, uh, bonuses going out. To Why not? Yes. No, this is all about like, look at all the movie industry that's coming here. Right. But there's right. nothing it is promoting Atlanta. No, there's no movies out there saying come to Georgia and enjoy the beautiful sunset. Right. I'm going to say this at least in China. I, if you want to if you want to get a movie shown in China, it has to have some element of Chinese culture, whatever. Right. Yeah, and exactly. they do right. that. At least right. it's like here's a reason to come to Beijing. Here's a reason to come to Shanghai, whatever it is, right? Like they actually try to make something happen. Actually, I think it was a mixture because there was a shot in the beginning with a coffee place. And I swear that was Lafayette. And what the interesting thing is, is where he goes across the street in the beginning, right? Yes. I I used to live not far from there. That's Lafayette. And, uh, I used to work at Broadway and Prince. So it's Lafayette and Prince just past there. His father's studio was right there. It's Grand and Crosby. It's like two blocks away. I swear I saw the Lafayette sign. So that's the police building in New York and Lafayette. So they shot part of it in New York, a little bit of Jersey City, and then probably the rest of the crap in, in Atlanta. Okay. Well, so they probably couldn't, with the tax credits, they couldn't put it in because they're probably pulling a lot of the post out. So right. then we'll don't show Atlanta. There's, there's a whole nuance there. But I swear sure. that was New York in the beginning. And then the other thing that Dave said is like, no, none of the action felt dangerous at all. Kevin Spacey shrugs off a shot in his chest. Okay. Right. And okay. I believe that. And I, I actually, honestly, uh, Dave, I had that same issue uh, when I first saw the film, but once I started to accept it as a musical, it was a very different experience. And it was actually right. quite interesting because in the same way that singing in the rain is not a very believable film. <laughs> It is yeah, massively yeah. entertaining and you're going to the beat and you're enjoying it. And you're like, Hey, yes, but you're you know using, I mean? you, but you're, there's a mixed kind of nuance between the violence and the driven narrative in musicals. You follow the character and his arc through music, but he's not really, I didn't get a chance to know El Gord. Do you know what I'm saying? Like everything was. And so they pulled that away with more car scenes where it should have been, you know, first, keep the same crew. So there's people you can relate to. It could see him grow or not grow. And there's a conflict that's within, and then probably not as much violence. Like don't kill the Asian there, guy. There, I somehow in my mind, there was a version of this film or something I saw that had a stronger correlation of the relationship between Spacey <laughs> and him. Right. Yeah, I don't know what that's for. Maybe they cut them out because it was a lot bigger. <clears throat> like from the like, somehow my memory of the first version is like there was a much bigger story. Spacey problem? Me? Because oh, maybe, maybe. I think they re-edited. Oh, it. oh, they might have they re-edited this stuff. because I remember the first version having a know, lot yeah. more backstory between the two of them. Because like Spacey's character should be working like uh, uh, James Caan's boss and thief. Right. Like where it's really, really likable up front and then turns really, really bad. And so he has to. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Obviously, thanks for softballing it. But there it is. The uh, like like there's there's a sort of like, you know, like they and they never really get the beats of his story correct because you're like, he's kind of like his dad, but he's a total fucking asshole who threatens to kill him. And I'm like, right. And there was something about (laughs) there was something about something about the film that seemed 
like there was There's like I think there was a di- I think I saw a different edit. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Yeah, they cut it because, be of the, because there was a lot of stuff between Spacey and the kid that I kind of remembered in the back of my mind. It's like, did I dream all that? I don't right. remember that. Like yeah, it was, it was like it was a seriously flawed relationship between the two right. of them. The fact that he's a young boy and yeah. his relationship with, with yeah. Yeah. They're being like, hey. <laughs> like, By the way, that car scene, they took it. For, there's a French film I remember that showed a car wreck with the family on vacation. And it wasn't Fat Girl. It was something that they took that from. I swear. It was like, oh, wait yeah, a minute. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, yeah I'm, I definitely have seen that before. I want to say that's blue, right? Isn't that in blue? Blue. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. That's it. Wonderful. Incredibly. God, one of the best, one of the saddest moments ever made. But yes. yeah, no, like, so like David Fudy says, I'm not, I'm not sure seeing it as musical will make me care anymore about the characters on the next viewing. Though. Like, I think you are right. Like, essentially, this is the, the, this is the tipping point. I'm like, I'm right in between, uh, Eric and Chris on this because like, the I couldn't be happier with the execution. Like it is so much fucking fun. The edit is so sick, and the driving is so great. And it's like all the stuff that I just plain love. Like it's not going to not be enjoyable for me. I just think that they they missed the opportunity to use the tools they set up. Say like uh, horrible violence. Like I'm not. Ta- I would never say take the horrible violence out. I'm just saying structure it so when it is horrible, it's part of how I feel about the characters. As yeah. opposed to making it frivolous and then expecting me to be threatened when horrible violence comes up against you know characters I care about, yeah, well, I don't care. It doesn't matter. That's a good this point. Already, yeah. You've already said that this doesn't make any make any difference. Yeah, and, so, and like, I also that, felt I felt strongly about the well. The one cool thing about this film that I really loved is that the um, the waitress and even the owner, the cook in the back, they weren't cliche. And yep. there was a kind of original kind of idea behind him, like him barking in the phone and going. Yeah, it was great. It was yeah, really no, there's a, like, cool. There's some great like there's all the incidental stuff character wise is really great. I love all the characters individually as part of like the members of the team. Like you said with John Hamm, like John Hamm, I was <laughs> we were watching it last night. And I said you didn't I like, like the diner because it looked like Generica, Eric. That's what you're talking about. <laughs> it was Generica and they probably got a good it weight and it was easy to prop. Yeah, yeah, no, it looks like uh, the the one down near the La Brea tar, tar pits you see all the time. Same yeah. basically that. Uh, but like John, like John Hamm is uh, like when you look at that guy, my my initial reaction to John Hamm is he looks like he's going to be a terrible actor, and then he's a very good actor. But he has the he has this face, like you're saying, the the Greenwich, Connecticut face, where you're like, <laughs> he looks like he fuck, looks I like a you're guy. An <laughs> he looks like a guy I went to prep school with from right. Greenwich. Right. And I won't say his name, but he's a big banker now. But I'm, I'm telling you, he looks exactly like him. And I'm like, God, he has soft eyes, man. He's waiting for like the restring in his racket and he's going to go yeah, ahead exactly. to the club again. So what you do with John Hamm is you give John <laughs> Hamm, what you do with John Hamm is you put John Hamm in Spacey's role, right? Yes. Like you make him super charming, super lovable, and really funny up front because that's what a Greenwich, Greenwich, Connecticut douchebag does. And then when he uh, turns over on you, and goes bad, like you're like motherfucker. I should have I should have trusted my instincts, That's and right. then it, then it works. Instead, like they cast him as kind of a maniac. And I'm like John Ham. I think Chris <laughs> is right. I think Chris hit something. I think they re-edited it, and maybe that's why right. it seems fractured. Mm-hmm. Because because of the spacey thing, yeah. I know a producer. Maybe I'm high. Died. Maybe I remember some no. different story. What's interesting? What's interesting to me is that 
I the, I think the first viewing I saw of this had a bigger story between Spacey and the kid. And I don't know where I got this. Maybe it got edited. I don't know what happened. Right. And but, then also there was a dolphin and they were talking to the dolphin. No, that's right. Johnny Mnemonic. That's, that's Johnny Mnemonic. That. <laughs> and, and a lot of short, blunt swords as well. Right. But uh, there was uh, – but there was, I don't know. There was a lot of – there were some non-actors in there. It shouldn't have been. Yeah, well, okay. But like Jamie, Jamie Fox was, Jamie Fox no, no, was the, like awesome in this. Oh, I love, he's, I love Jamie he's Fox. The, I've always loved Jamie thing, Fox. They should just have kept him. Yeah. Definitely keep the hot girl. She was really hot. And then, <laughs> you know, John Hamm in the spacey True. role. Yeah. Right. In the jeans. I was like. Phew. And yeah. then. Um, uh, but the point is, don't kill off the characters and get rid of Flea. Yeah, no, Flea doesn't have to be there. Flea's great in Big Lebowski. That's, that's my no, favorite. Flea well, is great in no. – you know where Flea is great in? He's in Let's Get Lost. Oh, yeah. Okay, there you go. There's Flea. You have a, the documentary that says, yeah. you have a tattoo that says hat? You used to say hate. <laughs> but <laughs> who's going to hire someone who has hate on <laughs> Who doesn't like hats? <laughs> you say hate. But yeah, no, I, I think that like that's that's there's only a few tweaks this movie needs before it. By the way, guys, it cost thirty four million to make and it made two thirty six. Oh yeah, no, it's great. And the thing is, man, like the like I don't think that this is like the, when we say that these movies are like like there are over storyboarded movies that feel over storyboarded, like that are that are deflate their own action and drama because like you know. Like, oh, the, the rocket leaves this way, so the next shot's going to be this. And it's boring before you even see the shot. Like, Edgar Wright doesn't do that. Like, certainly he storyboards the shit out of things. But everything is absolutely fresh. Like, there's some shots in this thing. I was just like, when like he, the chase onto the highway and then backwards up the highway. Yeah, I was like, stuff. holy shit. Okay. But it's the insane. thing is, the other thing is, is that I had heard through my producing partner that the he first secured all the music and then he yeah. kind of worked up the storyline right. after securing all the music right the thing is it's like um it's it looked like they had a great time making it mm-hmm. and probably they had a really great time making sneakers and with all its flaws they still probably powered through right um because it's like we're having a great time i'm working with, I'm in a movie with at, that, at that reading table with all those people yeah oh, Poitier, I, robert <laughs> redford are you kidding me <laughs> no, they're like true dude i'm on this i'm yeah. gonna flee well, yeah, hang out I with think, flea i think that that's how sneakers got made it's like redford wanted to do it for the spy angle and then because it was redford he got Poitier, and because Poitier is in it then everybody else says yes and That's like right. Casting, and then all of a sudden, studio's cast. like, look, we don't want it. We love Three Days of the Condor, Pakula. I love Pakula. Right. This is not going to be a Pakula film. And I'm like, okay. Nope. This let's is going to be so more accurate sh- in. Let's put, let's <laughs> put, put that accurate in. in. So it's going to be a little bit like, it's like going to be Three Days of Condor with a little bit of Ghostbusters. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's got that Elmer Bernstein kind of, like, kind of stuff going on. And it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. But like Baby Driver has an enormous amount of skill. It has an enormous amount of likability and like scene to scene. I'm totally on board with that movie. Um, but, well, it wasn't, like, it wasn't think- until I saw like that, that montage where he goes to get coffee to the coffee shop and there's a the music playing and everyone's walking to the beach. Oh, it's great. And he even has a little trumpet thing where the trumpets lining up. Trumpets with are him. there. Like, the big long take as yeah, well no, it's like oh, oh it. this is a fucking musical it's great yeah. and once i saw it is like okay you know what this it's is la la land with a la la land oh yeah as a as a as a you know with a heist film so yeah absolutely and it's a very simple idea listen it's not complicated this right. story has been done a million times that's the point yeah the story that's, has that's been I, done a million I, points right 
Yeah, like that. In fact, like that. I wish that's what I would want it to do. I want the movie to be a simpler movie, essentially. Like, oh, I see. You know, like I well, want because you know, I want it to be like the crow. Yeah, like oh, that's that's what I'm saying. It's like you know, because like the like musicals work because they are very uh, the, like the best musicals are very they can be very complex, but the the parts are very sleek because you want right. to make maximum room for the songs, right? And so you watch something like Singing in the Rain. Singing in the Rain is actually a very complex work it's of a art very complicated film actually like, yeah. very complicated film and uh and what's what's brilliant about it is that it's so slick about what it's doing that it even allows for gene kelly to make the movie he really wanted to make which right. is this massive fantasia dance sequence it's like 25 minutes long that has nothing to do with the plot but the rest of the movie earns that and buys it for him and like, yeah, and so yeah. like the, 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 and every time I see it, I'm like, this has zero to do with anything except Gene Kelly's love for doing this. And the rest of the movie is so much about, um, the business of the scene that, like, it, that, the, that, the love is that, the that, that, that scene that he does is showing what filmmaking can be. Oh, because, it is what it, it's showing what it is to him as an emotion. Uh, right, right. But it, it, but it's, let's also like, this is why sound and music exists. Yes. Yes. And then the, yeah, uh, we totally, we completely agree. We can, because okay. like it has like, it has, it has an emotional point to make. Uh, when I say it doesn't have anything to do with the plot, it's like, if you take it out, you wouldn't notice everything else works. Like you cannot have that scene in there and the movie still makes complete sense. But emotionally, it's actually the punchline of the entire film. Because it's saying we're going to transit, we're going to tell you how movies work business wise, we're going to tell you how movies work technically, and then we're going to put you in a movie, and suddenly the movie overwhelms you anyway, even though you know it's not real. And that's right. the point of the movie, right? And so, like, if they had not worked out the uh, all of the dynamism of the character interaction and how the scenes work and how the plot works, they would not have been able to buy him the time to do that sequence. And that sequence is the actual heart of the film. Right. And so with baby driver, it's so like, there's a great movie to be made out of baby driver. Um, instead you get the really, really well-made version of baby driver. And like the, and what they should have done, like Eric's saying, I think is like slim this down. So it's, it's two or three moving parts. And then you That's have right. all the room in the world to do exactly what you want to do yeah. and make it transformative. Cause you want to see, uh, you want to see uh, Elgort like transform. And so not just with his, that the, his father or his friend in the apartment who's deaf, mm -hmm. but if you had the constant dynamic of the team and the crew, one guy who annoys him, one guy who hates him, one guy who likes him, you, you kind of follow the whole thing and then you can see them clearer. I couldn't see any of the, the people clear. All I yeah. could see was that John Hamm was miscast because he has soft eyes. Uh, uh, Ron, Ron Hurst disagrees with you heavily on the chat, by the way. On that. Yes, he, he says this is perfect. John Hamm is a testosterone bomb. I agree. I bet, like, I bet they were constantly shaving him and then they then they rotoed that shaver out. Right. Yeah, but he, he doesn't do he the tough shaved guy. while shooting. I, I, you know, shaved that's great. But the guy's all green. Because his tough guy, his tough guy is not convincing it's cartoon but, but he is a car that's what's so he's got a cartoon I like face he's i like him i liked him as okay. a cartoon so and so is flea flea was a like, cartoon i know <laughs> right. but that's why i didn't like dick tracy right right i, I was gonna bring but, dick tracy but, but that's why i said like and i listen the first time i saw it i didn't sort of see i, I hate to say this i didn't see it as a musical but the second time i saw it, it's like they're all caricatures 
all of them, including the the female villain and and yeah. uh, uh, you know uh, all, all of them. So yeah. so I know. Uh, but here's the thing: if you're going to take that beautiful music with a lot of soul and meaning, you'd want something to be reflective of that. Right. Do you in some way? Yeah, it will also work together. I think that's all, all. All we're saying is that it like there's like I think that uh, like I'm with you, Chris, on the like everything that's done well is done so well that I love it, right? And I'm with you, Eric, on saying like there's some there's a there's a next step that this movie doesn't achieve because it's not sleek enough where it needs to be. Like it's like it's a, it's got a brilliant. There was real- something about the character building that definitely feels like I've like you're I gotta figure that out. If anyone right. knows, like if anyone wants to do any research, I think it's the spacey thing. Because while we're talking, spacey. because I can't do. Uh, it while I I'm I, I, th- I think it's the spacey thing because I know a, a producer. He made uh he makes a, he did mud. He did a bunch of films, but he did one with spacey, and as soon as it hit, he shelved it. Oh yeah, well that makes sense. And I think it's called Billions. I think maybe they finally released it. But I don't know. Uh, but that was it. They shelved it. And I was like, really? They're like, no, the heat is so strong. So I can imagine them saying, you know, studios, everyone was panicking. They said, recut the thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I can see that. True. Maybe true. Because, like, I definitely, it feels like there's something missing from that thing. It definitely, definitely true. And I think that, like, the, and Spacey, and Spacey's not very good in it. That's my, like, uh, like the Spacey that's in there is like, he's not, he's not, a, like, I think Spacey can be great. But he's not delivering the goods in this movie the way he should. He's he's delivering the like the you're lucky to have me on set performance. Or and, I'm doing this for the paycheck. Yeah. He's like, like he's man. basically like um uh what's her name in um it's like most of the cast in, in Poseidon Adventure. It's just right. paycheck. Yeah. yeah. Well may, may I interrupt with that uh, build off of that for a second with what's her name? Uh Shelly Winters. Shelly Winters, yeah. Shelly Winters in Poseidon Adventure. If you That's want what any, I was trying to think of. Yeah, like uh, uh, if you want any insight into my uh, my view of actors acting and filmmaking, there's a story that is always traded around where Shelley Winters, um, like audition, like uh, gets um, you know, and uh, gets a mail saying like, you know, we'd like you to come in and audition for the Poseidon Adventure, and then she comes in and she slams her two Oscars down on the table and says, "There's my audition." Right. And what that story is meant to get across is how dare you ask this great artist who's already proven to audition for your film. And what I take out of it is she must have been a real fucking jerk. <laughs> like, right. holy shit. It's a, like, we need to know if you're going to work in the movie. Like, this isn't, a, this isn't a slight against your skills. This is, I need to know if you match the movie we're trying to make. That's all that's happening. And if they had done that with, say, Kevin Spacey in this movie, they would have gone, yeah, put, put, put the Oscars back in the bag, Kevin. You don't fit this movie. I'm, uh, we love your work, but you're wrong for it. And, uh, and that would not, to be honest, that would not have saved Poseidon Adventure. But like, I think that like, treating these things as if, like, what is necessary for the movie to work as opposed, as opposed to like, how excited you are that you get Kevin Spacey to be in your movie? Because sometimes that doesn't work out. Maybe and, they used him to sell and raise money. Maybe so. Maybe so Ron so. says this, that for me, the whole point of the story is that we care about the innocent kid. It's mm-hmm. so extreme. Uh, it's so extreme. The kid is guilty of nothing and is stuck in a horrible situation. He then brings the girl into it. And now there are two people in a horrible situation and we just want it to work out. Right. But, there's, uh, but it is not possible. Uh, it's not possible way. And then Wright works it out. Not believable, but absolutely story sound. 
And that's a good so argument. Cool. That's a good argument. Yeah, no, I think that like so. What you're saying is that he's going for wild at heart, right? And uh, and the and the purity. Well, of, of Lula neither, and, and they and were Stanley. pure. They're pure. They're absolutely pure. They're not like they're not they're not squeaky clean, but they are very pure in their emotions, right? Uh, like in the world of Wild at Heart, like they are fucking. They're angry. emotionally naive, no, but they're without, not pure. Yeah, but, no, like no, they like in in the world of Wild at Heart, they are raw and a- angelic material compared yeah. to everybody else. Compared to everybody else in the st- in the in the stakes of Wild at Heart, that what is important in Wild at Heart is your level of commitment and passion to your beliefs. That's what Sailor basically says 10 times, right? And that is what he does. And that is what Lula does. Like, that is what she is passionate about. Like, she's passionate about Sailor. He can drive in the fucking car, and that's all they want to true do. True romance. Hit that. Yeah, true romance, which, uh, no slight to Tony Scott. I wish someone else would remake that movie. Mild slight to Tony Scott. I love many of Tony Scott's films. He should not have directed true romance. I'm, I'm way outside the ballpark. on Everyone loves true romance. I think he's the wrong director for that picture. He's a great director mm. of many other things, but that's a that is an incredibly good script, and it's a pretty good movie. That's another that's another one where I'm just like, there's a there's a great movie sneaking around in there, and instead we get kind of like a '90s car commercial. Uh, and it's interesting to me because yeah, I was going to I no. was actually going to talk about Baby Driver. So first of all, we should talk about this real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were going to try to find another movie to pair with sneakers that was another film that somehow millennials like, right? Mm. That that kind of along the lines. And we were having a hard time doing it. So we sort of got into a discussion about heist films that had a big ensemble cast of some kind. And so I threw out the idea of Baby Driver as an idea because it came up as a, as a you know, heist film that came up recently. And I was like, that would be great. And so we did this. And it was kind of a, an, a weird pairing. If you really think about it now, they're both a weird pairing. We're having actually a hard time driving between them, except the fact that they have people that are in the film, like big names, right? They both have right. big names involved. Well, I think right? it's it's less hard if you are Eric, because it's like Eric, like you and Eric are reversed on these two movies. Yeah. Like, you know, and I think that from my point of view, these the connection is very, is very clear. You're both making the same argument about the other film. Yes. <laughs> like, we that's are. all that's happening. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't, you know, Sneakers is not like my top 20 or 100 or 200. but No, but you had a good is. time watching it. Right, exactly. Well, yeah, and also it was, it reminded me of like, well, this probably could be a TV show if you planned it right. Yeah, sure. Oh, well, I, and I agree with that 100. Like there's a good group of characters there. It's just like, you know, your problem with John Hamm is the same problem I have with Poitier, right? Like what the fuck right. is he doing in this film? Right. It makes no sense. Yeah, yeah, but we just love think Ocean's Eleven. Ben Kinsley, too. I have a real yeah, hard exactly. problem with Ben Kinsley, too. Like, these are actors that we love. Why are they in the movie? Right? Why, why in this movie, right? Why are they in this movie? Yeah. Ocean's you, Eleven. Well, no, you should have other. There are plenty. Put Stallone in there. Put, like, you know, right. uh, I don't know, uh, Dan Aykroyd, you know, we are, you know, or uh, Bill Murray. Like, right. you know, all those people could have been, like, in that thing, right? This could have been. Totally Do you comedy. think Dan Aykroyd was picked because he was just in Fried Green Tomatoes at the time? <laughs> Fried, oh, wow, that's a that that those. I think he was picked because he was accidentally showed up at the at the at the craft services table and was eating. No, he, he <laughs> got, like you want to be got, in this movie? Sure. No, he got a lot of <laughs> anyway. kudos for that film. That's true. Yeah, no, that's true. 
I, and I, had, I established I him as not Mr. Spies by uh, uh, Spies Like Us, right. but it's like, oh, he's got some chops. So that was probably, you know, people saying, let's put I, him in a little more serious or get what him has he done? What was he? What has he done recently? Aykroyd. Let's let's take a look at that. I, I have a soft spot for Aykroyd. I he love that. Yeah, I think when he's great, he's truly great. By uh, the way, born on July first. I did not know this. You don't need to reveal your birthday uh, on uh, on the podcast. Just saying, so saying, just so you know. Here we go. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd. Okay, let's see what what has he done? What like I think that there's there's got to be something good in his career in the past 20 years. He I think that he's, that, so. he's become a sort of a booze mogul, hasn't he? He's, uh, yep. He, yeah. He, uh, he started, um, putting out that, um, crystal vodka. head vodka. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Yeah. Which, um, it's not bad. It's what's good. his name? What's his name? Uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds is, is pushing some kind of a gin recently, right? Oh, is he? No, uh, they're all trying yeah. to go to Clooney rat. Cause Clooney became a billionaire with his uh, tequila. Mm -hmm. Did he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. And by the way, let's let, let me um let me just give quick shout outs to Clooney because that dude took his multiple his literal billions and what does he do with it? He uh uh rented time on a satellite uh over Africa to alert um uh people that were in danger of being killed by uh terrorists that terrorists were coming. I was like that's sort of a Bruce Wayne thing to be doing there. Not, mm -hmm. not bad. <laughs> if I had a billion bucks, I may have, I may not have thought of that. And I think that was a pretty good choice. Of Mr. Clay. Uh, okay. So here we are. I thought uh, he was going to broadcast Batman while he was there. Like, he hey, just should watch Batman. Batman. Yeah. Exactly. He was Batman. Uh, so sneakers after that, he does Chaplin, which he's pretty good in. Uh, yes, he is. Coneheads, uh, My Girl, oh, right. and My Girl, My Girl, my girl 2. Uh, right, North, which is terrible, and I forgot about it. Tommy Boy, right. Canadian Bacon, which is yeah. slightly underrated. Then we get into Sergeant Bilko, Celtic right. Pride. Uh, okay, Gross Point Blank, he pops up again, 1997. Yes, that was good. Gross Point that's, Blank, his appearance there. But that is on point. That is on Bill. That is, that is like him playing himself. Himself, as, exactly. Yes. As same as in Tommy Boy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And now and then it's just a long, long, long list of not cameos. Very good film. Yeah, it's like, yeah, cameos and okay, yeah, like he's yeah, he shows up on The Simpsons. That's right. pretty much it. He, he's 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 booze muggle after a certain point. I I appreciate that. I think he's also a major conspiracy theorist. So I think it's kind of funny and sneaky oh, that they made him into a there. So he, he went Chevy Chase on it. Yeah, oh, you know it's a yeah, Randy, Randy Quaid. <laughs> Randy Quaid, Chevy Chase. Okay. It's not quite full Quaid. It's, uh, Randy Quaid and I have would have a lot to talk about with our beards. And then after that, I think it would probably oh, fall off the plate. Yeah. And just, <laughs> what's really funny is when you watch Randy Quaid and then you watch Randy Quaid in uh, Independence Day. And it's like, oh, yeah, you actually became that guy. You became yeah. that dude. Yeah, if from Independence Day, which is funny because he's like a parody of a person. In oh man, yeah, that's and then true. He actually, became the guy from Independence Day. Randy Quaid. No one knows this, but Randy Quaid used to be a very good actor. Oh, he's yeah. an excellent actor. You he know, used to be. You know really who, who, who gets on Nicholson, right? You yeah. know who, who you know that Scott Ross gets on like detail? Twitter Twitter yeah. wars with Randy Quaid, which is really hilarious. Oh, you got to be kidding me! God, what no. are you doing, there, Scott? Come on, Scott. <laughs> Ooh, Scott I think who? he likes to just poke people, Scott Ross. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. 
he just likes right. to poke people. So he like he's I, like, if I were to bug him, like uh, Eric, you're right. If I were to bug him on Twitter, it would be entirely about um, uh, five, uh, uh, not five easy pieces. Last just, detail, uh, last detail, which he's terrific in. Yeah, that's that's all I want to talk to Randy about. He probably Randy's. doesn't even remember any of his career. He only uh, remembers that, that that people I are coming out a lot of drugs. Tin hats. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he like happened. he definitely he like yeah. Last last interview I saw with him, it, it was like montana shack material i don't know how this happens there was a cg artist i'm not going to name names but it was a cg artist that i work with he was a brilliant brilliant uh uh um uh technical director programmer did a bunch of really great stuff really cool guy now definitely he was one of those guys who had these crazy theories and we always used to laugh at him with sure. his crazy theories and stuff like that right kind of conspiracy theory person that you normally had at the office but then uh uh one day he kind of disappeared and uh he got involved in a cult oh god oh no and that story and I'm not kidding you. Uh, he ended up, uh, I don't know what the circumstances was, but it was definitely cult related climbing to the top of a giant, uh, power, uh, uh, uh thing, like one of those big tower things mm -hmm. that goes up like, you know, 25 stories or whatever, uh, and, uh, jump to his death. No kidding. Oh, I'm so sad. That's sad. That's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. But like he just li literally went from like, yeah, I'm the conspiracy theory guy at the office who believes that, you know, the, the you know, 911 was a, you know, 911 was job, some yeah. inside job or whatever to jumping off a freaking power cable and killing himself. It's like, how the fuck did that happen? Yeah, and there's there's something in people's minds that once it clamps down on that stuff. It goes hog yeah. wild. And QAnon really is sad. another example of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, that I feel like that's because you know, to be to be very open about it, like I used to be a not intense, but a fairly mild 9/11 conspiracy theorist because I was there at on 9/11. I was oh, on yeah. Manhattan for 9/11. It really makes a you know, like it, it it carves a groove in your in your mind to experience something like that, and you right. do want to like uh, coming out of that, you know, uh, years later, like it's clear that like you want to be able to have a reasonable explanation for something that almost killed you. And like, it didn't actually almost kill. Me. I was never in danger. Like real, real people were, um, but like that you, that you were frightened that badly. And, uh, and so you're looking for ways to, um, explain things that Wrap it up in a bow. Yeah. yeah. So you, so you can stop being afraid. So right. you don't don't experience, don't experience that anymore, and so I have great I have great sympathy with people that fall into that loop, and I definitely understand it. Um, but there's there's certain stuff. I mean, like like you watch the the Q documentary on um, HBO, yeah, right. And it's like it's a very good documentary, and it's uh and it's just like like it's so some of that stuff gets so out there that I wonder what it is in the in the human mind that keeps you from like keeps totally normal, relatively smart people from sort of fact checking themselves in reality. Like you go once you once you've invested that far, like your brain's just it's like so easy on. to ignore facts when you want to, right? <laughs> when you want to, it's yeah. so easy to just say, well, well, what about this, right? Because what aboutism is the worst. That's the yeah. that's the that's the biggest downfall of, of the United States is what aboutism, which by the way was a Russian invention. I don't hate to tell you this, but it's anyway. 
uh, a conspiracy theory about that conspiracy theory about the Russians trying to influence the Republican Party. Uh, oh, yeah. Jason also put what down, is what is what about ism? Oh, you don't know about. OK, so, well, first of all, I want to acknowledge Jason who put, quote, 23, quote, which is hilarious because that's obviously. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It doesn't need any further explanation unless you are a big uh, sci-fi fan of, or no fan of, uh, of The Shining. Anyway, uh... yes. or, or, or Jim Carrey movies. Yes, and right. like, yeah, like, and it, it is great actually to bring up the like. It is very similar to uh, mystical numerology and stuff like this. Like, people get all centered on like weird mathematical patterns and stuff. Like, yeah, it's math. It gets pretty. It gets repetitive and strange, you know, like you should get too, well, you shouldn't believe in it that much. Right. Which QAnon is completely obsessed about like the yep. number 17 or whatever the hell yep. it is. Like, right. You know, uh, anyway, uh, what about ism? What about ism is a defense mechanism that's used for uh, political parties. And what that basically means is if you basically point out something wrong about Donald Trump, let's just say, and then someone could defend that and say, well, what about Hillary Clinton this, right? right? And what you've done in that argument is you have not necessarily defended Donald Trump. All you've done is change the conversation and say someone else yeah. did something else, right? So that is basically an argument. It's like, well, you basically not denying it. And you're saying, I'm just stating facts. But you're basically right. not saying, are you saying that Donald Trump didn't do this? Yes, but someone else did that. It's like saying, right. saying it's, it's like, this well, is, this is, you know, this guy murdered a bunch of people, but what about the other serial killers? There's a serial right. killers have done far worse. Right. But this right. guy it, did this, kill a bunch of people. This right. is a lot. It's a, this is a legit logical fallacy called, I think it's called to coke. Uh, like, and it just means, but you also essentially like, like you are also to blame. So you have no right to complain. Right. Right. And, and but the like, Russians use this a lot politically speaking, meaning basically they never defend anything that someone did. They basically just shift the blame to someone else. Right. And so, so it's now a, it's you're a left to defend method. now you're left to to defend your position rather right. than to uh, uh, support your attack. Position. I have a, I've actually employed a, a really really useful uh, technique against this particular fallacy. Which is, and you can see this online sometimes there, because I, I, I'm a very left wing person, but I do not unfriend people who are right wing either in my family or who are friends of mine. I, you know, they post some things that I massively disagree with or I think are hurtful, then I'll talk to them about it. That's okay. But the, uh, but I will get into these arguments that turn like, and that sort of like what about is an element comes up. And the first thing I do is like, is I say, so we agree then. Like you agree that it was bad when like this guy did it. I don't know if this guy did it, but if you're saying my guy did it too, then you clearly think that what I am talking about with Trump is also bad. So let's start from that point. Oh, right. Right. And so you, you were in agreement with me. So now, they, now, they, now you basically tell them that they have to defend themselves. Yes, exactly. So like now, now, now all we have to talk about is whether or not it's true about Donald Trump or it's true about, we can talk about whether it's true about for Obama or whatever, Right. but right. like we, but if we're, if we're having a conversation about John, Donald Trump, that's the conversation. Then what we have to talk about is whether or not this is true for him, not whether or not Obama did something. Right. If we want to talk about Obama, we can do that also, but that's a separate conversation. Right. You know, and uh, it's, it's very, but that kind of stuff, like I, I suggest people get familiarized with themselves with, um logical fallacy uh lists 
because you can actually get pretty quick at figuring out when they happen. Right. And once you see it, then you can go, okay, I'm going to stop arguing the way that I'm arguing right now and address this. So we no longer go down this fucking side road. That's going to go nowhere. Right. So Jason also says pie, which is a film oh, yeah. that as That's a person right. that was a math major, uh, I was both intrigued and also kind of offended a little bit. <laughs> There's no math in pie. It's just a fun movie. <laughs> like, oh, no, just... like, like seriously, like pie is like, you know, a, 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 a conspiracy against the Jews and like, it's like, it's yeah, like... probably no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fascinating mathematical event. That's very true. Yeah. Uh, I really recommend for anyone who's into this stuff, read uh, a book that I'm halfway through right now is Umberto Eco's Foucault's Pendulum. Yeah. which is about uh, the dangers of uh, seeing connections between everything. And it's, it's a hilarious and very, and slightly frightening book in that it was written many years ago. And now you see QAnon. Isn't like, that what oh, we do fuck, here? QAnon. We look for the connections between films? Yeah, because at least the, uh, it makes sense. Stuff. Yeah. Things, that, things are not not connected, but it's just like, you know, like when you start like seeing the number 23 and everything, then... You know, it's like, you know, like everyone has this thing. Like I always, like, I always see movies as expressions of the filmmakers talking about filmmaking themselves. And it's very difficult for me to not see that. And people have to step in and say, Dan, you say that about literally every single movie. And maybe it's true sometimes, but I'm like, no, it's true all the time. <laughs> like, meh, maybe, maybe not all the time. Right. Like, maybe 60% of the time, but not a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, I was very, I, I am, I am still excited about it. Uh, looking, f I was to this, to this uh, podcast because I thought it was, it was fun. It was fun to watch these two films. Yeah. Two films. I like a lot. And uh, it was interesting to put them into that context. It was weird seeing a, you know, eighties slash nineties film that I hadn't seen you know, I mean, like it felt strange, like it felt so much of that period <laughs> and I hadn't yeah. seen it before and I'd seen yeah. so many films from that period. And so you can really me, see a distinct 90s look and stuff. Oh, I think by the, the way, the show in her haircut was like, oh, my yeah, God. But the wow. darkness, everything was so dark. All those interiors. Dark, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like you have these like big. Well, like I remember when I first saw it, like their office, Redford's office. I was like, "Whoa, that's a really crazy office!" And then it became sort of the style for '90s offices. Like that was the oh, leading edge oh, of totally. that, that. Yeah, yeah, that design, like the big. Oh, you mean the conference room in the center? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, all yeah I think Blur. Has I was an right about like when yeah. Blur, Blur has magazine. a plaza. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yeah, it's really, it's really, it's fascinating to see these things as like, you know, this used to be thought of as cutting edge and now you're it's just like, oh no, there it is again. It's sort of the very first examples of a lot of that stuff. Yep. And at the same time, you know, like I wish that movies would tackle what sneakers is about in a more hardcore way. Like I think, I think pretty... but you know, if you, if you, if you update, if you update the characters to be a little bit more contemporary, right. Mm -hmm. And you, and you have this idea as like, that's a great TV show. That's great, you know, yeah. and you yep. and you and you 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 spruce it up. It could be it could be good. There is a lot of potential in this thing. I think it's interesting. And you can cast John Hamm because he has soft eyes. Yeah. Soft eyes. He's very forgiving. Looking John like Hamm can play Robert Redford's character. I love character. John Hamm. Man. I love the Hamm. I love that. I think he's, yeah, he's a great, great actor. Yeah. If you really want to ham up your film, then you got it. You know. That's right. Nice big slice of ham. Can't go wrong with that. Mm -hmm. It's not all right. It's Easter it's ham. Co it's not kosher, but it's it's good. not kosher. It's true, but still. <laughs>
so worth it. Yeah, yeah that uh, that dude. Like, uh, I don't know what would be the perfect casting for John Hamm. He is way too uh, like comically handsome, but I do respect him as an actor. And maybe someday he'll get old enough that it won't matter. He was anymore. in uh, Bridesmaids, and he was funny to play oh, yeah, that role. Yeah, that was good. I had a uh, friend of mine. He he's uh, an actor, and he did a bunch of. Um, he did uh, apparently uh, when John Hamm was in rehab. <laughs> oh, I he was that. he was doing a bunch of uh, 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 John Hamm, like took over John Hamm's thing on for a bunch of voiceover stuff he was doing for commercial because John Hamm's got a very strong voice, so he can imagine sure. how powerful that is as a voiceover actor as well. So he did a bunch of voiceover stuff, but yeah. It's like uh, Martin Sheen's brother does most of Martin Sheen's uh, voiceover work because they sound exactly alike. Right. Uh, I forgot what the guy's name the is. School but... teacher? Yeah, maybe. maybe. Yeah, he's I a school that teacher. Was Super funny. Yeah, that'd, that'd be pretty sweet because you can imagine. What happened kid. to Charlie Sheen, by the way? Like, I what's just going on there? I just saw him. Yeah, last Florida? Week on a podcast. No, a podcast. <laughs> on the street? Selling pencils? <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> <laughs> on a podcast, uh, on a podcast. for um, it, it was for a group that does it's like a rehab talk group. Oh, good. That's and nice he was on there. He looks heavier, but yeah. he looks totally relaxed. Like, man, I just made it through. He was actually really just relaxed. And no, cool. That's good. Here. That's good. I, I've always liked because I, that's exactly what it's getting us. Like, like he went totally freaking, you know, we were who we were just talking about. Uh, uh, he was a serious drug addict. Yeah. Very, yeah. very serious. Very serious. Yeah, and it was real when he went off the deep end. It was like Tiger Milk. Yes, thank you. Yeah, like totally freaking crazy town. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Randy Quaid, li- trying to call it back there. Randy the, Quaid, thank you. And it, Randy the Tiger Milk and the, you know, porn stars and all that craziness that was going on. I was like, what the fuck happened here? Yeah, no, that's pretty wild. Yeah, like you're hanging on by a thread when you when you get to that point. Right. Uh, try, but, trying to get out of that scene must be very difficult. Yeah, I'm. That's. I actually, Eric, I'd love to to know what where you heard him. I just sent that to you. Okay, good. I just I sent it to everybody on uh, the stream for stream chat Twitch. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, great, perfect, good, good, good. So yeah, I'm curious about like what happened. He could, I bet he could pull off a comeback, Sheen. I think. It yeah, I bet so. Yeah. Yeah, I like that guy. I like that guy. And uh, Emilio was uh, doing pretty well as well. He was directing for a while. I'm not sure what he's up to. But uh, yeah. yeah, like you, they, you know, you got a talented family. I mean, like for me, Emilio spent almost all of his talent in a single film, which is Repo Man. Repo Man. Repo right. Man, which is one of the great films of all time. Charlie and Sheen it, did a lot of good, like you know, Hot Shots, Hot Shots, Hot Shots Part Two, which I think is slightly better. Yes. No. Yeah. And uh, and when when he's like, you see him with Martin Sheen on a PT boat, uh, and they cross, and they both oh, yeah. point at each other and say, "I loved you on Wall Street." Yeah. Yes. That's, that's hard to beat. <laughs> that's right. Yes. I loved you in Wall Street. <laughs> yeah, boy. But yeah, no, I'm done. I'm done. I would. I, I'm looking forward to whatever sneakers show they make. I know that they that Paramount just like licensed out 20 it, movies from the 70s to make TV shows out of them, including the Parallax View. So, yeah. hey, man, I'm open. Give it to me. Yeah. Interesting. Parallax View the show. Here's an interesting fact that I found out in some article. And I, I, I'm not going to get all the facts straight, so you know, don't exactly quote me on this. But uh, um, a Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right? Mm-hmm. Which definitely sounds like a snowman. Falcon, and Falcon. snowman. Yeah, yeah. 
which we should cover because I love that film. Uh, you know, talking about that, those types of films. Get all uh, try to get pen up in there. Love uh, it. Uh, yeah, I really want to go back to that film at some point. Anyway, uh, that has taken over as the number one streaming uh, uh, thing on SVOD right now, right? Mm -hmm. Which makes sense because it's fresh and new, et cetera, sure. et cetera. But it's a one watcher, just like Hamilton when it came out. Mm -hmm. And then it'll die down, right? But you know what was number one before that? What it took over? Don't know. What was magic, the number one streaming magic thing forest. in the United States that most people were watching before this? The magic stream. No. <laughs> no. I don't know. What? Uh, Attack on Titan. Oh, <laughs> yes. That's right. Yes. That's because they just ended their series, right? Didn't they? I think they just yes. came to the end. Yeah. But that is Massive a success. That, most people in the United States don't realize what that is, although right. maybe they do because it's the number one thing streaming. But the media is certainly not talking about Attack on Titan, but the Americans are definitely watching that, right? Yeah, it's so, interesting. So that's the thing that's interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, well, anime is like, it's like that is the sort of sub, what's the word? Sub Rosa? I'm not sure. Anyway, like that's the sort of underground massive thing that is happening that nobody mm -hmm. talks about, you know, it's and it's like, say again, it's a blue ocean. Do you know what it's that a, is? No. What is that? Uh, it's a, it's an economic term of opportunity, right? So a red ocean is an up is where everyone is competing for something, right? Uh, I say, right. So, so basically a red ocean is like, uh, okay, we're going to make a superhero film. Well, everyone's making a superhero film. So you're right. competing in that market to try the to get blue attention. The ocean is wide open. It's wide open. No one realizes that it's there. And there's yep. a massive audience that's sitting there waiting for that content that yep. no one else is producing. So that's yep. a blue ocean. That's in the, in the example I'm doing about anime specifically. But you could use this as another. Here's another example. Video game industry is another mm -hmm. good example, right? Mm. The video game industry, everyone's trying to make, you know, your latest first person shooter film, blah, blah, right. blah, 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 blah. Right. And then Nintendo says, you know what? No one's making family video games. Who the fuck would want a family video game? Turns out a fuckload of people. Yeah, and they make the Wii. Yep. And they're like, it's like someone that everyone missed the mark and realized like, oh, there's a shit ton of people that want that. Right. No one else was addressing that market. Right. So the Wii is a perfect example. So that's, that's, that is a, a, a blue team. Yeah. Uh, no, blue, I, ocean. A blue, blue ocean. Blue ocean. I, yeah. I, um, basically blitzed through a show this week called the serpent the serpent on netflix just I came out not. never heard of it it's a true story it was it was serpent. good i liked it all right uh, about a guy who drugs all these people in the 70s in bangkok and takes their passports oh wow that's crazy all right uh, true uh, story that sounds good okay right. i've been watching uh the head uh yeah. on netflix which is oh, uh that's interesting yeah, it's pretty good so far. A couple oh, of wait, I heard it from you. That's right. That's it. It's good. Yeah, I heard last time from someone on the show. Uh, the uh, yeah, no, that's a. Um, it's been a, funny a, if Chris was like, "Wait a minute, I was on a podcast a week ago, and somebody was talking to some guy on a podcast. We were talking about something." something. But yeah, no, it's a. Oh. That's a. An actor, hey, by the way, I I don't want people to think that I, you know, to make a film is an accomplishment. I, you know, I just I didn't get Baby Driver. Eric, you know? Eric, and no. and so, I actually think it's a more sophisticated film than uh, uh, Sneakers mm -hmm. in many ways. It's just 
sneakers, you know what it was? Sneakers had characters or at least actors that, mm. you know, you could always see a bad Cary Grant movie, but you still kind of watch it because you, you love Cary Grant. Exactly. Something about that, you know, and the and Eric, Robert Redford absolutely. carries you through. Well, Eric, I love the fact that we all come from a different point of view. That's why the three of us come together on these film, on these things, and we talk honestly about how we feel about things. We should have a and podcast we, and just talk we should, about yes, that. we should have a podcast. I actually, I actually really like your point of view. And honestly speaking, I felt that way the first time I watched. It. I felt very similar to the way you're feeling about it. And I'm not telling you to watch it a second time and have a different point of view. I, I was in it again because I rented it, so I have it for forty-eight hours. So right. I and it. I, 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 and, and and that's fine. But I saw it from a different frame of mind the second time, and it was mm -hmm. more enjoyable. However, I do think there's something about. I think you're edit. right about that. It's I think they recut it because of of Kevin Spacey. That may I be could true. see them. I could see the studios worrying, and they're just doing it. As evidence, they did in a, like film an entire other version of Kevin Spacey's role for all the money in the world with uh, Ridley Scott. Like, yes. <laughs> like they're just like, what if we shot the entire movie again only with? That's that right. Thing? So they probably <laughs> recut it, and that's why it feels fragmented. You yeah. should look that up. That's interesting. That that could be possible. I am, uh, and for all my notes on Baby Driver, I would say I am still very much looking forward to Edgar Wright's. Uh, uh, next picture, uh, which is Han Wright's right next movie. I'm typing it in. Uh, right next. Yes. Movie. Here we go. Uh, last night. Uh, last night in Soho. Yes. Yes, which is a horror thriller, uh, which is coming out in October. Like I'm very, very excited. He is also looking at directing a uh, a new version of The Running Man. Which we, <gasps> we, we covered. covered. <laughs> so I am a pro uh, pro Edgar Wright fan. So I, I don't mean to slam. I don't mean to slam Baby Driver. I don't want to give the wrong impression of my opinion of Baby Driver, which is like I really enjoy Baby Driver. I think that with Eric, Eric, I think that like maybe I'm wrong in assuming this, but I think that you look at this movie and say this is very close to the kind of movie I like, and so that gets wrong makes me like it even less. <laughs> like, it's just, it should be a movie that is has got Eric Sheely written all over it, and when it, that is not satisfying, I know from my own perspective, that's yeah. particularly irritating. I hear it. I hear it. Some, some guy, the guy that played the tough guy who knocked the glasses off his face mm -hmm. said that Kevin Spacey was a bully on set. Yeah, oh, well, there you yeah, go. I'm sure he During was. During the show. And, yep. uh, you know, I don't care about that. I care about the edit. Was the edit changed hey, between the hey, two versions? Um, sassy pants. Hold on. <laughs> I, I don't walk on water. Oh, I got to tell you my story about pants. I have a pants story. I've been meaning to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Keep going. <laughs> pants stories. They're making a second one. Oh, there you go. That's good. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. Sure, that's what you don't do. Like, oh, let's make that again. Uh, no, sometimes it, it was works. good. Sometimes yeah. it works. Here's here's how here's here's where optimism and pessimism comes in. Here's how I feel about sequels and remakes and reboots. If it's good, I'm happy it got made. If it's not, I'll forget about it in a couple of years. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Who cares? That's like, hey, do you know they made a sequel to the thing? Oh, amusement's here. I, I hey, forgot too. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally fine. It's totally fine. How did they fall down? How did, did they fall down in a bike accident? Oh, there we are. Sorry, I was looking from across the room here. Right. No, yeah, my my pants are fine. Uh, uh, 
basically I was tell I think I told uh I was talking to you guys uh when we were having our individual chat, but uh <laughs> I decided I need to buy some new pants. And it's just yeah. a story that's going on. And I, this is, you know, when you're stuck at home, guys, and you're, you know, in a pandemic and you have nothing else to do. And somehow I decided I needed pants that I not to buy new pants because I've just been wearing jeans all day long, all mm -hmm. every day, et cetera, et cetera. And somehow some pants got advertised to me on, I, I think it was Instagram. And they look like pants that were like, cool pants that I should buy that I want to buy. Right. And I got excited about these pants and ended up clicking on the link in Instagram. And it's from a small shop. This is, here's the thing, right? It's from a small place from Colorado, right? I'm not going to plug them because this is not what I'm going to do, but it's from a small place in Colorado that make these pants and mm -hmm. they look like cool pants that are nice and rugged and they're going to be comfortable to wear every day, which is really all I care about. I don't care about how I look. I just want to wear nice pants and they're not jeans. This is another thing. Right. right. And so, uh, so I, God, this sounds like an infomercial bought them. <laughs> I know, but hear me out. Hear me it's out. Like, the, the, story, the story goes very <laughs> south. So, very what'd you do? <laughs> so, and these pants were reasonably priced. And I was like, okay, I bought them and like, totally getting there. And then suddenly like, great. After that, went back to Instagram <laughs> and like every like two out of three things that are going up is just pants, pants. just pants, 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 like Man. and it's the same pants that I, I already bought or like pants, 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 pants. It's nothing but pants just coming up constantly. Yep. And I was like, the algorithm has gone crazy. It's like Chris doesn't buy anything, but he bought one thing. So we're gonna we're gonna just so open open the fire hose of pants in, and, and it's upsetting. It's upsetting. The, the, this it's, is what, a... what what would really be funny is like you clicked and you got a mail order bride from like Manila, and it's like shows up. It's like wait a minute, I just ordered pants. <laughs> right. I just wanted pants. So, and now it's all mail order from Manila. Now, but 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 then I was starting to try to think about it more rationally, right? I was trying to think about it more rationally. It's like okay, all right. So so the algorithm's gone a little haywire. Said so it's fine, but I did buy some, and I'm wearing them actually right now. Some very nice pants that I enjoy and they were not that expensive and they're well-made and hopefully they'll last a while from a small shop out of Colorado that advertised on Instagram, right? Now we're not going to see them use man, or maybe I will show them to you later. But okay, anyway, the, means. the fact is, uh, uh, <laughs> bespoke <laughs> pants, Herb. <laughs> okay. So the fact is that these, this is basically the mom and pop store of our generation. Right. They yeah. put up an advertisement about pants. I didn't buy them from Walmart. I didn't buy them from Target. I didn't right. buy them from the Gap. I bought them from someplace out of Colorado. Right? Right. Right. All right. All right. All right. Everyone's asking to see the pants. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Everyone being Ron Herbst is asking you to see the pants. There you go. There we go, baby. We love it. Look at this. Nice. I pants. know that people who are listening to the podcast right now, just as an audio bit of business, they are good. Gotten, dungarees. This has turned into quite a show. I can just tell you. Nicely done, everyone. Yeah. Yes, says Ron. <laughs> good pants. There it is. They're, they're 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 breathable. 
They've got a little bit of that stretchy feel to them, right? God, I feel like I'm a retirement home in Miami. It's like they're good. It's really nice. Look at this. They've got nine <laughs> pockets. In there. Nine pockets. <laughs> I am so excited about these pants, and they cost me eighty bucks. I mean, seriously. Yeah, Museman gives that four pants. That's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> by the way this has been an ongoing joke at the family like i was waiting for my <laughs> pants to show up like you know yes that was good yes uh and it, uh i'll tell you what i i like these pants so much order two more just all i'm saying <laughs> and, and really what you don't know is that you actually ordered it from the nsa and this was actually just a, a spy thing that was happening for but you but i didn't buy them from the gap <laughs> or i didn't buy them from any of the other you know, corporate stores out there, or maybe, right. I don't know, maybe it is. I bought them from a place from Colorado mm -hmm. and I had to wait for them to do. So all I'm saying is that while you might somewhat complain about the algorithm of people advertising crap to you on, on Instagram, Instagram really is the modern day mom and pop store. I think yeah. my, my, my theory about uh, these an annoying things, the annoying, the annoying aspects is because they collect so much data that they probably also know that you don't want to see 3000 pants advertisements, but there's some value to finding out how you react to those 3000 pants advertisements. So they do right. that. Like, I think that because it's like Facebook, this, you know, like Facebook uh, last year sometime, um, like it was just hard to get onto Facebook, like kept on jamming and like you had to reload it and all this stuff. And you had to wait and re blah, blah, blah. And it turned out that they were doing this on purpose just to see what people's patterns were about reloading the app. Like the, so they just fucked up Facebook for a day and they're just like, well, let's see what happens. And so like, uh, there's like, it's, you know, it's not a conspiracy theory. This is just like, they're just trying to create business models. And so most of the time they're advertising to you very successfully. Some of those ads, I believe are, don't even show up so that, uh, they are trying to sell you this thing, but rather they're part of a multiple point advertising pincer that makes you want to buy a thing that shows up later because it puts right. these things in your mind and then they put this thing up and you go, Oh yeah, I would like to buy that thing because subconsciously you're already been thinking about what that's the whole like point, this. right? The whole right. point is that you can buy an ad really cheap. If I'm selling something like pants, I can buy an ad really cheap and target the exact person that needs to buy pants. Right. No, it's As opposed true. to having to broadcast to 300 million people on NBC during the Olympics to try to sell some yeah, pants. You're just shotgunning ads, pants ads. To right. No, it's way more targeted. Ads. That's right. no, the I whole point. So when everyone's going out there complaining about the fact that everyone's stealing their data, it's like, no, they're trying to figure out exactly what you need and give you only that yeah, information. Like, the, like the, the reason to be concerned about what people do with data isn't for anything that's happening right now. Like the, the reason to be concerned with how the government uses your data and how companies use your data even more so is like they sculpt your reality and they use the data about you to do that. They have a really good, uh, like basically an AI version of you that they can uh, ask questions and, and aim things towards. And so when it comes down to wanting to make sure that you have a particular opinion about something, they're really, really good at that. And for the most part, that's about advertising and selling pants. Sometimes it's about how you feel about, you know, laws. And uh, and they will don't they don't do these things very obviously. They do these things in extremely subtle ways that affect percentages all over the place. 
Like that's the that's the real concern. It's not about oh, I can't believe I'm being spied on, or it's not like I'm being hammered by pants ads. It's the fact that like people believe in QAnon because it is a successful manipulation of perfectly smart people. Like that works. Yeah, I, I, works. I hear like, you. I hear I, you. I was I hear always, you. I'm kind of waiting for this app to come, where you get the thrill of buying something, but it doesn't make the purchase final. So it helps you uh, yeah, like, right? exactly. go through the ah, thing where ah. I'm going to buy it uh, and it, it never actually happened. It's buyer's and remorse, just, a solution. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. right. Exactly. So when you see these ads, you hit it and you're like, yeah, I want 20 of these. And it's done. Right. Out. Right. And then right. it filled that, that void people get of buying stuff. So they, right. uh, I'm of this thing where uh, it's just less. Because I sold my house and I moved and the whole, yep. you guys know the reason. And I just try something new in my life. And if it means going back to LA for work, I'll just fly. But I have so much less. All I have is like computers and you know, my computer and, right. you know, uh, pencils and some of my art books. But that's about it. And I just basically whittled down. So I feel like they're pushing you to have more when we really don't need more. I think the beautiful thing about what happened in the pandemic is that people, at least I'm hoping people had a moment to look at themselves and do I really need all this shit? Oh, so well, that, that was impulse, the thing that, right. That was the joke. It was in the pandemic is like you, the economy crashes as soon as people only buy what they need. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh shit, <laughs> I don't actually need any of this stuff. Weird. Yeah. No, I, mean, I feel the same. I'm actually like, I must be an ad advertiser's nightmare because I am so fucking stingy about buying things for myself. It's insane. Like I hate, I yeah, hate it. Why you shouldn't buy that black magic camera. That's what I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah, like, you I mean, so, like I've been thinking about that, like that kind of shit. Like I, think I actually think like you should, I actually think you should get before I, I actually, before I pull the trigger. Dan, I, I own a Sony. I love Sony. I think you should just save up for the Sony. Yeah, well, you're I, gonna I, get stills and and film out of it, and it's like so much more versatile. Thank you for the the uh, the uh, because the, the black magic. We, I'm we, almost positive. I'm almost like seventy eight percent sure that they're using the basically the. They're Sony, probably using um, a Sony. Sensor. Most most sensors are Sony sensors. The high quality. They have the best ones. Awesome. Yeah. This so, stuff so, is dude, no, like there's it. no noise. It's so yeah. beautiful. And but, I love doing night photography. It's just like yeah. I can get my emotion out fast. You'll be able to yeah. shoot. It's so versatile. Do stills. Do this. It's that's awesome. No, I'm definitely gonna. It's the uh, the and get the, the meta bone. People, people, right. people on people in the chat. Uh, uh, just you know, your your feedback is welcome. But uh, Dan is thinking about buying himself a new camera, and he's was considering the Blackmagic camera. Uh, but we told him get the Sony A7 camera, and if you guys agree that that may be a better versatile choice. Let us know if you guys have a no, better suggestion. This is or to whatever. make the movies. This is a movie making Just, to, just for him to, to be able to have something that he goes like, I want to shoot something. Yep. Boom. And I got yep. something going on. So yep. can I yeah. ask you guys a question? No. A yes. serious question. Do you yes. guys read horoscopes? No. No. <laughs> you don't. I do not. I do not. I don't. Uh, I think that horoscopes are very interesting. Like the mechanism of horoscope is is very is very interesting one. I don't I don't believe they're happening in the way that people think they're happening. So I no, think... yeah, I do New York Post horoscope every day. I mm -hmm. guess it's a habit. I just it's, it's, it's a lot actually... of it's bullshit, but it's still like yeah, I read it. It's like I read the old bits in the New York Times every day. Right. 
Hey, I listen to David Lynch give the weather every day. Doesn't change the weather. That's right. But I, but I love doing Doesn't that. Doesn't change the weather. Yeah. But I, I thought Chris would definitely not be reading the horoscopes. Me? Um, yeah. So are you a horoscope guy? Yeah. I'm not. I'm. I'm not a horoscope guy. I think that the. Uh, I think it's. Uh, well, I but I do know Linda Goodman. I do not side. believe in astrology. No, that's yes. correct. Yeah. I say. actually like reading them because they're fun and like it's just fun. Oh, but that's no, no, about no. It. I, I, I like, like cartoons. I don't, people I like, read cartoons. I like But I guess them. it's so yes. habitual now that I read the I don't, I don't, I don't believe psychics when I go to them. But I, I totally – there was an Except old – Except for Stephen Toblowski, who is clearly a psychic. That's what He's we want to – yeah. You want to say – I, I always nice remember an old – right around the horn down there. An old Cheers episode – where Woody Harrelson's there and like uh, Ted Dance is just like, you know, the horoscopes. And they, he read something with a horoscope or something. And, and Woody Harrelson's like, yeah, those are cool, but they just seem like they can impl- apply to anybody. They're like, yeah, I think that's, <laughs> yeah. I think that's the point. And <laughs> kind of. Yeah, kind of like but yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why I thought of it, but I think you were talking about the mail order stuff, you know, the Instagram stuff. Like you hit those. Some people are addicted to just hitting those ads. It's just an interaction that you. Enjoy. I like. It's an interaction that they love. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I do remember this. Like this is my first. Uh, it was funny because it was with uh, my our good friend, uh, uh, me and Daniel Buck, and I and Stephen Parker was. It sounds also like an indie in. film. I know. Me and Daniel, Daniel Buck. Buck. Me and Daniel Buck. That's right. The winner of Dance Festival. And, and Stephen Parker was involved. Charming. So, so Daniel and I touch. Daniel and I went to Stephen Parker to talk to him, and Stephen was writing some po- code for us. I believe this was on either Tron. It probably was on Tron or Oblivion. I don't remember which one it was. Anyway, we went up, and basically we had a th- situation where we were trying to figure something out. I was like, <laughs> well, let's go see – uh, let's go see uh, Parker. And so we walked to his desk and he's like, okay, so fine. And so we were having this discussion with him. It's like, well, let's go ahead and Google it uh, to see if we can solve this problem. And I forgot what the exact problem was, but he went on to like open up a web a web tab and he went on to Google and he typed in whatever the problem was. And as I came up on the left side, as you guys know, there's ads that came up and it was an ad for some yellow Adidas that came up, shoes mm-hmm. that came up, right? And they were the same. The gazelles? Yellow- the same yellow Adidas that Bruce Lee wore in Enter the Dragon. Right? Yeah. Right, okay. Right. You got me now. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, you got yeah. it, right? right? And our we were in a deep conversation about how to solve a technical problem. He fucking stopped everything that he did, clicked on the ad. I've never clicked on an ad like that. On, on, the, on the right side of the Google screen, I've never clicked on that. Right. right? But he right. did. Clicked on it. Pulled out his wallet, put the credit card number down, bought the fucking shoes. Like, like basically, we all had to stop what we were doing for like five, six minutes. It's called the Jurgens. Yeah. The Bruce Jurgens. It's called right. the Jurgens. Yeah. So while he had to like stop, is like, and, and Eric, and I remember Daniel's like, I've never seen that ever happen. Like someone actually clicking on an ad and buy, like, that was the yeah, only like, time yes. we've ever seen that happen. Game but, of death, bing, click. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. Have you guys ever, in the chat, have yes. you guys ever clicked on the right side of your Google screen and bought something like spontaneously like that? Yes. I can. What did, I you, can, I have, what, I can. What did you buy? In my dangerous days, uh, I bought uh, a Telecaster that way. A Telecaster? Oh, nice. Guitar. That's pretty good. 
yeah. guitar. I had about 12 and I sold a lot of them, but yeah, I did. I that. have done this from Facebook fun. ads. I have, I have bought, uh, I and bought I uh, a, a role-playing game from a Facebook ad once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it does work. It does work. But this yeah. is the thing. This is the, this is the sneakers aspect about it. It's just like when I, when you watch the QAnon documentary, like there is a, I want to watch that. Uh, it's pretty a lot of nutty people. It's a lot of nutty people. Sad but the thing people. is, like, sad people. Yeah, it, that's. I agree with you. It is. It is very sad. But the thing is, like, for the most part, like, the thing that I my feeling about all that is, like, people want to talk about as if these people are complete morons, and they're not. Like, they are. So they were susceptible in a very key way. And oh, once yeah. you buy, and once you buy are. into that, and we. That's my point, right? It's like yeah. we are all. And look at Eric with all of his freaking New York Post and horoscope readings that he's reading. Once, you you the, uh, once you're in Linda Goodman's love signs, man, you're down the zone. Sally Brompton, dude, that's the. Yeah. She speaks to me, Sally Brompton. But I would always get that post in the morning, Sally you know, Brompton. and get it, and I would always grab the second one, and the guy would be like, "Top, grab the top one." I'm like, "No, I want the fresh one, fresh right. New York Post, the new stuff." And, yeah. uh, the new, st- <laughs> the new stuff. Everyone touched it with the brick on top. I want the fresh one. Oh, it's like, oh, top. Grab top. What's, what's yeah. that line? Uh, the line from uh, uh, Top Secret. Uh, I was going to say from all the president's men when the uh, the dudes coming in to pitch uh, 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 Jason Robards on uh, on um, uh, uh, was the weather report for pe- for for yesterday's weather for people that were drunk and slept all day. <laughs> and I was like. I probably would have read that. <laughs> well, it's funny you used all the president's men. I was using the line from uh, from Top Secret, which is you know shows where our minds are. Uh, but Top Secret <laughs> is like the torture the people that come in to torture him in jail. He goes, "This person is a complete idiot <laughs> and only believes anything he reads in the New York Post." It, the New York Post. <laughs> Top Secret is my favorite torture scene of all time. Uh, when uh, it shows him in this, he's dr- he's dreaming that he's in school, and he's like, "Oh no, I'm late for class." <laughs> and then it turns out it turns out he's being tortured by Nazis, and he's like, "Oh, thank God!" <laughs> yeah. In reality, I'm being tortured by Nazis. I've actually had school. you know you know that 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 that, <laughs> that classic nightmare of you know like you being naked in school or you haven't. Done, right. I, I still, by the way, I still have those nightmares of having studied all semester. Nice. I still have have those, which is ridiculous. But I did have that naked, like from the bottom down, like you know, kind of naked. No pants, a pants dream. It's no a pants. pants dream. <laughs> yeah, speaking of pants, right? <laughs> Four pants. And it was when I was a teenager, I had that nightmare and I was in my karate class with no pants. Now think about that. If you're doing karate and you have the whole gi on, That's but bad news, forgot man. the pants, like yeah. you have the belt and everything. I don't like and, and they're looking around and everyone, oh my God, what a nightmare that was. That was yeah. such a nightmare. I still vividly remember like, that is the worst no pants dream ever. Like, doing a cocktail with no pants on. In these dreams, I have a recurring dream. I had it in this past month where is I lose my boarding pass and I can't get on the plane. Oh God. That's not that hard though. I can overcome that. You can't get on the plane. Uh, I can't. You know, walking you know I, had, I had it. I had it. You know the one I had, it was really disturbing because I used to have a lot of airport dreams, which I don't have anymore because I haven't been to an airport in a long time because I used to travel all the time. I had this dream that I was at the uh, Frankfurt airport uh, and I was trying to, and the Frankfurt airport is the worst in terms of going from terminal to terminal and how to get from A to B. 
and I was with my kids and I don't know if it was Lily or Brady, but I was with my kids. I think it was Brady because it was definitely a younger kid at the time. Um, and I'm trying to get to the next terminal and there is an elevator to take that you have to go from A to B and Brady got on the elevator and I was in the other plane and the doors closed and he separated and it was like thousands of people everywhere. And I'm like, oh, fuck, where did he go? Like, because I don't know what floor he's getting on, what terminal he's getting on, what the fuck's going on. It was it was a fucking nightmare. It was horrible. It's always that. It's always I'm not packed for the flight or my boarding pass is gone. Right. Crazy. I have a dream about expanding black cubes that appear out of nowhere and will crush everyone. Mm, that's a pretty good one. Really? Yeah. Dave three D knows about this. I've um, I, we made a little short film on it. Dave asks you why it's wrong with your Panasonic camera that you got. Oh, uh, I uh, I uh, I gave that to Samantha. She is yeah. doing her um, she is doing her own uh, uh, YouTube show. Um, I uh, uh, call. Uh, 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 Digi Rainbow, which is um, she plays video games, and it's uh, really awesome. And uh, and she she needed a camera for it, so we uh, give that over to her. And now she has a really good looking YouTube show. So that, so, but I'm looking to, I'm looking to re- replace it with something that is a little um, a little more. I don't know. Get a Sony, uh, dude. Yeah, a little, I, little I mean, more I, cinema friendly. I will like uh, listen a lot of a lot of shit you're seeing on TV and a lot mm-hmm. of shit you're seeing on like you know high quality sh- are shot on Sony's. Trust that's me. great, cool. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I uh, like uh, stuff you If shot. you get the um, if you get you got to get the Metabones with that what because the hell is it Metabones? works really well. The Metabones is an adapter that goes because the Sony's because I have the first A7s. The Sonys have their own uh, ring system for oh, lenses. Right, right, right. right so yeah, the yeah. Metabones is a perfect one-for-one. One. You'll see other yes. companies talk about oh. it. It's a perfect one-for-one. One. So you could put your Canon lenses on there. Yes, now, yes, yes, yes. yes. Canon lenses, they're cheaper, right? You could put a Rokinon on, a Canon, boom, it fits right on. And the uh, electronics work because it's a perfect pass-through. That is actually so, – yes, 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 yes. I would get that because uh, ask uh, I'll ask um, – uh, uh, what's his name? Metabone Speed Booster. No, uh, you know who? Uh, uh, Daniel Buck has one. He has an A7, mm-hmm. and he has a converter that I goes on. I just sent you a link, Dan, in chat. Okay, oh, thanks. Okay, thanks very much. so once you get the converter, with the one that 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 uh, Buck has is the converter, but the converter has a switch on it. This is awesome, by the way. Has a switch on it because basically it's a ring that goes between the lens and the other thing, right? Yes. Mm. Right. So he has a thing where you click the switch and you do this pop up and it, the ring expands slightly. It turns any lens into a macro lens. <laughs> That's awesome. That's fun. Because That's you basically really just expanded the field, the, the, the right. focus point. Right. right. So it's right. like a perfect macro lens adapter. It's like, Oh fuck. Yeah. So it's like it does two purposes. It actually converts it and turns it into a macro. So no, that's nifty. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm, so like, Dan, uh, I'm not. The yeah. other thing I'm going to. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Mm. That was rude. Don't. No, don't. No, no, no. If here's the deal. If you do get that, I love Sony's for about six years now. This thing I'm sending right now. That is all you do is rent this. Okay, mm-hmm. but the Atomos system will turn into 12 bit, so you can shoot 12 bit. Clear as day coming through the HDMI connector, okay? Mm-hmm. And I can send you the Israeli arm, which one to buy from this place right. in Korea. And you put it on the top and you're oh, done. Oh, that sounds sketchy. Israeli arm from Korea. Like, yeah, you have to go, yeah, you, no, you, you it's called the Israeli arm. 
Right. Those it's like a Russian arm, but it's Israeli. <laughs> it's, like Israeli a cheap, it's like a cheaper Russian arm. It's an Israeli <laughs> arm. Yeah, no, but they take in your stuff straight into HDMI, and it is smoking cool. And it goes right in, plugs into the side of your Sony, and you could pull in 12-bit 4K. Now, is this going to really help with his Zardoz stuff? Like, that's all I'm going to say. No, but I have plenty for Zardoz. You'll see. Yes, but the point is, if he... I've shot stuff for blue screen shooting that video with this. And I'm telling you, you'll be able to have the best material. And I could tell you and show you the scripts to convert your stuff in, in Premiere to go low grade. Look at this. Mother of God. Go scroll to the bottom. Look at number one. It looks what like. What are you talking about? In the Atomos link? Zodiac. In the Atomos link. Scroll down. You see a video with a car. That's the kind of look you're going to get with a Sony. That sounds good to me, my friend. Hell yeah. ProRes Raw. You can't beat this, dude. I'm telling you, those two, the, the Atomos and the um, the Metabones. Okay. All right. I'm definitely going to consider it. Yeah, and I, rent uh, this. Don't buy this because this is going to be like three grand, but you can rent it for a really good price. Mm -hmm. And there's another place in LA where they rent stuff, but it's a group of people and they have a, a deal together. So you can call local DPs and rent their gear. Oh, nice. That's it. When they're not working. So that's how I went to this guy's studio and I got a whole bunch of stuff. I went back and shot my thing in my backyard. Yeah. This yeah, is yeah. All, I got, all I got to say to our listeners is the list. This is this has happened way more times than 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 I can think of. Uh, and it's very true. Oftentimes I was like, I want to shoot this. What do you think? And I'll go to Eric and ask him, is there a solution for this? Eric is actually the person who has most ideas about how to do things oh, yeah. the amount of knowledge he has about how to solve a problem as a cinematographer is kind of insane yeah no it's uh and so and yet, I, I, yeah, yeah i appreciate that but it hasn't got me far in life but i go rabbit holes so if i'm going to shoot something right like an idea or software it's like i go down rabbit holes and compare 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 and then it's done so i do that late at night the end of the day and i can do four or five I've been hours going down the nft rabbit hole and it's been ridiculous yes by the way, oh, by the way i that. did by the way i did an amazing interview uh yesterday i want to uh, hear that of cg garage with uh uh dave uh uh david uh uh Yermak, who is yeah. the finance chair of nyu stern uh, talking about nfts and decentralized finance and it was quite enlightening really really good uh and so i'm very excited about that so that's going to come out in a week from monday on uh, cg garage for those of you guys who are interested but really really good uh really good information about that however we are kind of rounding the corner here and i'm going to sort of uh let's, step not, up. let's hang out and let's do a marathon well we can no, i don't mind that but i would like to bring up the convert the fact that the let sorry sorry dan what was that <laughs> That's okay. Like, I'm reserving the I'm reserving the marathon for when I finally convince you guys to watch all the Twilight films. So, just saying, let's right, not marathon not just yet. It's gonna happen. Right. We'll see, I'll get you there. Your audio went really low, really low for. Oh, you got beard problems going on. Got beard, oh, it's going right in there. Oh my god. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. That's recording. So I don't know what that's recording. The birds live in there. There yeah. we go. That's better. Is that better? There we Much go. better. 
Yeah, there we go. Yeah. That's, no, that's at least that's now like I can hat. see it. Like now I can actually see it like right. happening. Like it got into the beard. Yeah, this, okay. is, this is my old microphone cat right here. It's, uh, yeah. it's really nice. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So uh, so uh, the thing that that, that I want to talk about is the fact that the last two weeks we've actually done pure podcast recordings because mm-hmm. we need to increase our bank, but we can next week do a watch party. So right. if anyone has ideas for watch parties, uh, I'm totally open to doing that. Uh, and if anyone in the chat has been thinking about them, throw out your ideas now or let us know. But uh, we could uh, do a bunch of stuff. Uh, life, for- life, life Force? Life Force? Oh, life Force. Life Force. Oh, I love Life Force. Is that available? Now, Dave. Is that on Prime Prime? You see, Dave, is. you have said yes to this question no, I'm gonna before. Look it up. I think I'm going to look this up for him right now. We'll because because oftentimes sure. we have gone with Dave's suggestion. He goes, no, this yes, is also available. my – I'm going to defend Dave in this. I've, I make the same – I've done this more often than he has. So like, uh, we want this to be true, so I'm, we're going to double check. Let's see. Uh, life Force. Life Force. Uh, and it is – let's do this. Come on. Yeah, I sent you another link, okay? Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Sorry, on uh, Twitter. Very slow. Okay, Life Force is on Prime Video. It is. It is available on Prime Video. There we are. Life Force, I would love to do Life Force. We do have to warn the audience that one of the primary draws of that movie when you are a 13 or 14-year-old person who is attracted to ladies, whether you are female or male or anyone in between, this movie is mainly about a naked woman walking around and killing people. So that's why... Most people watched it when it came out. It turns out that this movie is also a spectacular B movie that I absolutely adore. Uh, and that it's, uh, uh, it's got Patrick Stewart and it's got well, it's English B movie, a go-go violence, zombies, spaceships, bat people, literally everything. One of the craziest movies I've ever seen. Okay. So, but all, right, all right. All right. All right. Hold on. We've got some great feedback. Dave says 48 hours. That's too good a film to be putting as yeah. a, a screen. How about the how about the one I suggested, which is the 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 uh, the uh, domino principle? Oh yeah, oh, that's right. Oh, right. Is that a is that a prime film? I think that's yeah. prime. Okay, that's good. Blind Fury is also borderline. Dead. Oh, that's a good movie. That's a, a hey, good. We could talk over that one. We could talk over that one. Like, but Life Force seems like it's perfect, and Alan does say B for boobs as a. Oh, film. it is. Yeah, that's the one thing. If people are not, uh, people would be, um, you know, not into not into commentary on that. I would understand, um, but there's so much else to talk about with Life Force. It's a Toby Hooper movie, uh, directed right? Poltergeist Space and, films and with uh, with less clothes. So, yeah. part of me is like, I really kind of want to see boobs on our on our thing, which is fine. <laughs> uh, but, uh, there but, it is. Uh, but also, I is. do want the domino principle, guys. I sent you the trailer. It's yes. genius. You can't get better than this. This the is a talk through. Who did? Uh, who, who did? I have the French poster. My old writing partner gave me the French poster of this. Le domino principe. It's so good, dude. The <laughs> domino genius. principle. What is that? Peckinpah directed that. I can't it's, remember. It, I this what came up with the idea. I came up with an idea for a film festival called. Um, Do you kind of like and doing, after. A, doing a watch party with Gene Hackman film? That sounds pretty. Before and up. after, or the 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 good and the bad, and it was just basically director's best film and worst film, and you do festivals around directors. 
and the best this and worst. Is the, this is the worst. And this, yeah, this was uh, this was so bad. We couldn't stop laughing watching this thing. And Stanley Kramer, I think, did directed it. Oh, I see. Right, right, right. Yeah, man. Oh, man. Yeah, like I, I, I think, I think that's a good. I think we should do a series of best and worst. I think that's uh, that'd be a, a good, uh, good. The combo. comments, the comments on the YouTube, no joke. Somebody says, "Not sure if Gene Hackman should have made this one." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now we're not. Now we're talking. I have to say, there's another like there. We can't do this for a watch party because it's not on Prime. But I did just watch on YouTube Sean Connery, Carl Malden, uh, and oh. uh, Natalie Wood in Meteor. You can watch you mm, watch it on YouTube yummy. for free. Mwah. It was also remade as Armageddon and as Deep Impact. Both are better movies, but you will never see Sean Connery so angry that he signed in, signed onto a role than in. Um, than in Meteor. Oh, yeah. oh my God, what a masterpiece. Masterpiece. All right. That's what up there I, with I'm the definitely, I'm definitely saying we're going to do Life Force, maybe not this week, but at some point. That's coming up soon. Yeah. That is definitely coming up. Uh, so thank you for the suggestion. And it's definitely there. We oh, should Ron, make sure. Ron Herbst uh, suggests Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I want to say, like, that's actually like Dirty Rotten I Scoundrels. Love... Is, it's a my daughter and I film. watch that all the time. Oh, lo- all great, the great time. Film. Right. Great film. But like that, that's, that's almost a problem of a film because you don't want to talk about, you don't want to talk over how funny that is. The movie is right. so funny. It's almost so, too good a film. It's like it's a 48 hours, but a comedy but, version. Not, you want to not for not is, Ron Herbst did bring up UHF. That's pretty a, good. That's all right. That's, that's still, pretty yeah. good. I'm actually adding that one. UHF is uh, yeah, pretty things good. that you don't things you've seen so many times that it doesn't matter if we talk over it. Say like, for instance, no one would be bothered if we did 2001 because 2001 we've seen it a trillion right. times and we know what happens then. Yeah. Um, uh, but other than that, you want things that are so uh, that it is not necessary to actually hear the dialogue because we will be talking. Like Moonraker was like like the perfect vert. Moonraker, sweet spot, absolutely. Yeah. Moonraker, <laughs> wah, wah, wah. There was no moons and no one raked anything. No one ate, raked anything. But <laughs> it is a perfect film for that. And uh, and uh, so like for we are definitely taking suggestions for regular movies to cover. Uh, but, yes. uh, uh, so please send us anything, but if you're sending for watch parties, it has to be prime video available. If you have prime, it is for free. That's how the Twitch deal works. Um, and we are looking for things that you don't mind talking over or we've seen a million times, but if you have these recommendations, then please, uh, contact us at, um, uh, uh martini giant at, at martini giant for Twitter, um, martini underscore giant for Instagram. Uh, uh uh, uh, what is it? Podcast at martinigiant.com if you want to email us. And who else am I forgetting? Well, there's one other one. Uh, is there? Twitch. We mentioned a Twitch. And yeah, and uh, and obviously you can watch these videos that we recorded today on uh, uh, twitch.tv backslash martinigiant. The most useful and awesome thing you can do is to tell people about us. Yes. Uh, if you can uh, Facebook us, uh, send people the link come to these videos, send them to these videos right here where they can watch, they can catch up on stuff or get a preview of what uh, the podcast is um, or uh, rate us and review us on Apple podcasts. And we're actually, we should note that we're Spotify. actually about the middle of actually expanding this whole martini giant thing, not just, just baby steps experimenting in this, but we're going to think, you know, we are actually, we were given the opportunity through Twitch to actually monetize through Twitch. So we're going to be doing that. And hopefully you guys can help support that. The more that people come to watch us on Twitch, the more that's going to help us in that area. But we're also going to open a store and buy all kinds of Martini Giant crap. And things to send people, cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great. 
So I yeah. really, anything you can do to share and let us people know about us, it, it really helps us. So uh, that would be fun because it, you know, we want to, we, we enjoy doing this and we love our chats and it was awesome hanging out with all of you guys on chat today. Oh, as usual, man. Yeah. Like, as uh, usual. So uh, everybody in the chat, Alan, Dave, everybody. Uh, thank you. Ron, and thank you so much, uh, Jason, of course, everybody. Uh, and uh, uh, let us know what you want us to hit this weekend and we will definitely take a look at it. Uh, Life force soon. Life force is there. Domino principle is also there. So yep. I don't know uh, what life force is, but I'm willing to try. Dude, yeah. you, uh, you are going to love life force. It is yes. like, a, it is like a hammer horror film where it's like baby driver, but just more coherent. It's, it's it spins wildly out of control in the best possible way. I strongly, by the way, all day today, like I was singing like, um, what's his name? Uh, baby driver, you know, like holy diver. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yes. There is there is a very famous very famous streamer fly called the unholy diver. Yeah. I don't even know what that is. Oh, it's, oh a fly is like fishing. Fly fishing, yeah. I was gonna ask if we were gonna talk about fly fishing. We hadn't talked at all this episode. Diver. There we are. Streamer. I'm gonna put that up and see if I can find a picture of it. We we did uh, substantially less fly fishing talk than normal on this episode. I, think I know. have to dedicate an entire fly, but yeah, we're gonna have the river runs through an episode that oh. we don't even talk about the movie. That's all it is. Mm. That's what we're gonna do. We love river runs through it. We love red, yeah. It's a redford. That's a redford thing to land on right there. See, wrap mm. it all back around. Right. By the way, by the way, I have this thing where Dan, roll with me on this. Hit it. I feel like Robert Redford likes to come across as a little boy. And when he had his backpack on in that show, uh, in uh, whatever the hell we watched, I can't remember if we got it. Sneakers. And he had it on, like both here, not hanging, but he I know, put it's it like on. A kid. So good. He's a little it. kid. And he does yeah. that in movies sometimes. He did it in Three Days of the Condor. It's like, I want right. to look like a kid going to school, like right. an all-American kid. Yeah. So I'm going to wear my backpack like an all-American kid. Yeah, that's is that such a crazy theory? No, I don't think so. I think that's I hear you. Like, I think there's a net that is what he he madly traded on was a weird combination of this old like this little boy charm, this uh, very Americana face, and then he that's wanted right. to make movies that were strangely political and a little unnerving. And I think that that's always been great. I put a I put a link uh, in our stream to the Unholy Diver, right? He's oh, running fly. down the hallway yeah, right. with a backpack like a kid. And yep. I was like, wait a minute. That's Three Days of the Condor. He wears the backpack like a that's kid. That's awesome. That's totally great. And it's like, it. that's his little thing, you know? Yep. Some that's guys great. have, you know. That would be my thing. If I were in movies, thing. I would have that thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dino I think his. my thing would just be the New York Post and hair gel. That's a brand. That is a brand. We can right? And maybe a falafel. But that's my thing, right? He's Mine the guy is, with the falafels. He's the falafel guy. And he works with the, the massively oh. unkempt With a pencil in his breast pocket. One of the, the falafel. best falafel places I remember was uh, – uh, uh, what's the – By the Blue Note in New York City. On Blade, by, uh, it was definitely New York City. Uh, what's, the, what's, the, what's the park down near Chelsea? What's, my, what's the hell's the name of that park down there? You're thinking about where I used to live, and that would be Washington Square Park. And the best no, falafel no, place yeah, was Falafel close. King. Yes. Holy shit. Falafel yes. King. That's the falafel. When thing. I went to, yeah, yes. I used to go there, and after it was right by NYU. My uh, so good. 
I used to hit the falafel king and then go to class. And I just That's stuffed exactly. that into my backpack. Yes, I worked. I had and an And I internship. wore my backpack with just one sling, by the way, Dan. Not the little boy tooth thing. Just not not Redford style. I want to look cool. Yeah. That's right. You're, you're like 10th grade. Redford's still like 7th. It's so funny. Like, sarcastic. I was thinking the other day. It's like, I remember they were filming Searching for Bobby Fischer in Washington Square. And I was like trying to go to school and I carry my art supplies. I'm like, motherfucker, I can't walk through the park. Oh, you're going to make me walk down fourth, like complaining. Next day, <laughs> we're shooting. A blind. You motherfuckers, really? Oh, I'm going to walk through McDougal and take fourth and then go up Broadway. You Fuck and you. your goddamn Ben <laughs> Kingsley chess movies. Because <laughs> I was shooting there. I was like, come on. Like every, That's such an annoying New Yorker thing where it's just like, what? I got to get to. It was unbelievable. Yep. Yeah, fun. Yeah. Good story. Okay. But by the way, Chris, that story had a beginning, a middle, and an end. And that's did. And, and you know what? You started with that sequence too. You went all the way through. You didn't start from the end, which is what normally happens. Um, really? <laughs> it's a flashback, flashback structure. Flashback structure conversation. Uh, He's, imagine if I was like hired just to be the flashback guy. <laughs> Remember uh, this. I say we call Eric Sheely to get the flashbacks. Searching for Bobby Fisher was shooting in the park. Yes. <laughs> Go. Keep going. I love this. I'm very sure. He's I'm... the flashback guy. We got to get him on this show. <laughs> flashback. Okay. Think. All right, guys. No we are going to do this. That's true. These days. We can wrap this up, but I'm going to end, the, end, end the, uh, the podcast. But I love you guys, and we will see you next week with a watch party mm -hmm. and it's looking like domino principle is probably going to be my choice Wait, is something released on wednesday or is it the following wednesday yeah no we got uh tenant on wednesday i think tenant's coming out on wednesday yep that's right i think i think yep yeah tenant together tenet. yeah some, uh, speaking of time travel <laughs> speaking of flashbacks <laughs> he's the net the 10 with the, the net He's just got watch the time, time go travel. <laughs> the time travel. Mr. Chris Nolan loves his time. <laughs> time and tenant. <laughs> All right, I'll be right back. I'm going to shut the. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Drink. Talk. Drink. Oh, <laughs> I right. always do that. Like, Mr. Confident, you know, like, drink. <laughs> Fuck you. Toss it off. <laughs> Dave Finney, thank that you very Sinatra. much. That was Sinatra. I'm like great. the Dino. Thank you guys for, for listening to this rambling. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Awesome. Awesome. Mm. Thank you.